Welcome, everyone, to the Complete Unnecessary Podcast for uh, Tuesday, October 13th, 2020. That's Derude Shirted, Shirted, Derude Shirted, Ian Ferguson. That's me. Hello. And I'm Pat Contry. Today on the show, we'll be talking about um, maybe a Spider-Verse MCU movie, maybe? We'll be uh, doing an update on the Intellivision Amico. GameStop partnering with Microsoft... Dreamcast Mini might be on the way, and a couple other things going on in a, an interesting book that might harken to our past in the podcast. Uh, first, we got wares at UltimateNintendo.com. We got enamel pins. We got wares. certain guidebooks. We, we got we got a not-for-resale Blu-ray and other things, you know, and other things there as well. Um, and uh, we're also now on uh, Anchor. If you're if you're on Podbean, if you're listening to us on Podbean before, you, last week's episode would not be on there because now it's on Anchor. So go to anchor.fm slash Podcast. Of course, if you're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever else you listen to your podcasts, uh, Pocket Cast, whatever, it, it'll be exactly the same. It, it, it'll be flawless. You know why? Because I didn't hear any complaints about that. So I'm like, yes. That's good. No complaints is a good thing. But here's the best part about the anchor.fm slash Podcast. You can leave us an audio message there. So... I haven't checked them yet, so for maybe next week, Ian and I will play them, and I, it could be horrific, they could be funny, but either way, it'll be entertaining. We'll find out, won't we? Um, but no, no, nothing too dastardly, because might, they might mark your IP address. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, and our, our pal Dexter Morrill has his Kickstarter, uh, Mr. Miyamoto Makes Video Game History. Check it out uh, there if you can. Uh, there's uh, two and a half weeks to go on that, uh, if you want to do that. Um, so Ian, uh, GameSpot had some layoffs. Oh, first of all, how was your weekend, buddy? How was it? You made some food? You made some HelloFresh? It was good. Uh, mine and Vani's anniversary was on Saturday, or Sunday. Um, or was it? It was. It was Sunday, yes. Um, so we hung out, we went to Fish Pit, um, for, uh, early dinner. Um, great thing about Fish Pit is it's a small place i think i've said this before so if you reserve you basically have the one seat that's there so it's like one of the only restaurants you can go to uh now because it's mostly like takeout and whatnot or you can have one seat you can have like the one seat It, it, it can do like two smaller groups um but yeah it's nice so we can it was nice to be able to go out and 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 get a meal um uh, got her the uh, Friday the Thirteenth Blu-ray set for our anniversary. That's what she wanted. So. I didn't know she was a Friday the Thirteenth fan. Yep, I, I, that's the only slasher film series that I enjoy even a little bit. A little bit Freddy Krueger. I, I just like the the, the the mythology of how thin it is of Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, I mean Friday the Thirteenth is fun. I think even the bad ones are for the most part pretty fun to watch, except for. Um, Jason Goes to Hell is like my least favorite movie of all time. I fucking hate I never saw it. One. I hate that movie. I own uh, the final chapter on, on DVD because that's actually a, like a good movie. It's actually like a good movie regardless of whether or not it, you like Friday the Thirteenth. Like the that. first four movies are are good. Um, like I I I feel like you know 
when we were growing up, that was around, um, that was when like Manhattan and like, uh, part six, it's like, that was like six, seven and eight was when, when, when we were growing up and the movies had taken, um, kind of like a, a, a jokier turn. Like they were still horror movies. They were still slasher movies, but they, they, they infused a bit more humor in them. And, um, the deaths weren't as bloody or as gory as the the original ones um but the first four movies in the series do actually tell a story a, a pretty yeah. decent beginning to end story it was supposed to be the last one the final chapter yeah. like it was and then realized you know what we can make one of these basically a year and make a lot of money because it's not expensive to make horror movies right like that um so yeah no i enjoy them um i think the last time we did a, a rewatch of the series was like two three years ago so we're due for another plus friday 13th they had the little tommy jarvis trilogy four five and six it's like how many horror franchises did that with sequels like actually t- kept the same character right. and actually had like some sort of like arc to the character you know even though they changed the actor all three times well Corey feldman was the young kid and right flash forward but um six is when he becomes a you know a, a basically a supernatural being Yes, because he's he's not in five spoilers. Um, so, um, well, he's kind of in one, but not really. But so he's he's a real person up to four. He's a real person, yes. Jason. That's what people don't realize. He wasn't like he wasn't like this just like like undead creature until six. Then they at that point they didn't fucking care anymore and went off the rails for six, seven. Yeah, eight. they brought him back to life with a lightning bolt and yeah. Tommy, you couldn't leave well enough alone. <laughs> you had to try to kill him again and yeah. At that point, it was like cheese factor. From from six on out, it was his cheese there. But that, at that point, it was the cultural phenomenon. It was like no longer a cult thing. It was like, oh, every year there's going to be either a Jason movie or a Freddy movie. It was almost like every other year there's one or about every year there's both. And that was a big deal back in grade school. People would talk about the new movies that were yep. coming out, like sixth grade and fifth grade, seventh grade. And then they had Shocktober on WPIX in New Jersey, in New York Station. So once you got to the late 80s, early 90s, you'd have friday 13th and freddy crew movies on every night during the week they would do like oh this week will be uh, five friday 13th movies right and they would edit out most of the violence but they're still scary uh, to watch yeah. that so especially when you're like eight years old nine years old so yeah that was my weekend i also played a lot of hades that's the big game everyone's talking What's about now um god of war's cousin no uh super giant games made it uh, it's an indie game studio. They did Bastion, Transistor, and Pyre. Um, Hades is a roguelike uh, action RPG, um, but it's really cleverly done. Um, the fact that you are an immortal being, the son of son of Hades, uh, they they play it right into the story. Like everything makes sense. So it's the first time I've played a roguelike where it really makes sense that you're constantly repeating it. They 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 use oh, okay. the ever changing nature of Tartarus and you know the underworld from mythology uh, plays right into the you know the changing layouts oh. and the fact when you die you okay. come back to life and every time you're re- resurrected in um, the Hall of Hades uh, the people who work there like the story progresses so it, it's a really neat way of of using that game mechanic to tell a story. I like the art design; it looks like pencil sketched it's almost. Really, really nice. Yeah, art. it almost looks like it's a comic book. Um, but yeah, it's 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 fantastic. It's had me, had it, me pretty it, wrapped it's up. Had is had is you had it had is you. All right. <laughs> um, so this is bad news about. Uh, we we predict this obviously. We talked about GameSpot being acquired. What like was it even six weeks ago? I don't think so. No. Um, and they've already done a, a, a an unknown number of layoffs. I've seen some people on, you know, Twitter basically say, "All right, I don't have a job anymore." You know, 
it's always depressing to see that because people asking uh, if there's any work available. Um, so they got they got uh, they got sold off off here, um, and so uh, they, yeah, it was Red Ventures. They bought they bought the CNET Media Group, which was which was what it was uh, a part of, part of. It was along with Giant Bob, Giant Bomb, CNET, Gamespot, five hundred dollar million five hundred dollar guy. I can't speak today. Half a billion dollar deal it was. Um, they said the company will w- retain a vast majority of staff, but there's always layoffs with acquisitions. There always are layoffs. I've been a part of a couple of different acquisitions in market research, and it's always like, yeah, you know, we'll see. And then like three months later, yeah, it doesn't have- matter what they say. There's always going to be layoffs. There's always going to be, and I hate the term when Black it's used this way, but it, it's true. There's always going to be redundancies. There's always going oh, yeah. to be positions that are filled multiple times over that you just don't need everyone for. Oh, yeah. And it sucks. And I hope those people land on their feet. But um, yeah, it was it was obvious it was coming. I mean, how, how many more of these can can you know these sustain in the in the game journalism industry? It's like seems like this happens every year. There's like some sort of big round of layoffs, and it's like there's not new new companies popping up to sort of fill in the gaps. Right. It seems like at this point in time. Uh, what are you going to do? Well, some of these some of these folks go off and, and do their own ventures, like the folks that used to, you know, uh, the kind of funny folks used to be at IGN, um, and then you have like uh, the folks that used to be on Game Trailers went off at Easy Allies did their thing. So some of these people splinter off before these layoffs happen. Now you now you see why <laughs> you see why they leave right. and do their own thing because it doesn't it doesn't last forever, uh, obviously. Uh, I saw something about Sackboy, Big Adventure. I'm not sure you have any comments on that. Are you excited about Sackboy? Um, I watched the trailer, and I, uh, I, I kind of am. I, I really liked the little Big Planet games, um, and uh, Media Molecule is doing those. And I don't think Media Molecule is doing Sackboy's Big Adventure. Media Molecule basically went on and uh, started doing Dreams. Um, Dreams is their uh, new game. That you know, the big thing about Little Big Planet was you could create your own levels and you could do all this cool stuff in there. And um, Dreams is a bit more full fledged. You can do more game types and stuff with Dreams. But they are still doing a. Uh, there is still going to be a Sackboy game, and it looks almost just like how the Little Big Planet games played out in story mode. And I had a lot of fun playing those with Vani. Um, so uh, yeah, I think I actually might be buying that um, maybe not the minute it comes out but that's definitely something I'd pick up down the line um, to play with her um, I'd probably just get the PS4 version I don't think I'm going to need a PS5 for yeah, yeah. Sackboy's Big Adventure yeah, I was say, you're, not, you're not going to need all, all the <laughs> all the ray tracing ray tracing on Sackboy's yeah. face um, I'm sure it'll look nice I mean those yeah. games always do especially like the how everything looks like it's made out of like craft parts and felt and stuff sure. like that I'm sure it'll look very nice on the PS5 if there's a graphical bump but I don't know that that's going to be the game that makes me rush out and buy a PlayStation 5 did you see did you see the, the, the new 2K graphics did you see the little trailer that showed the Warriors versus uh, Dallas it, no it's, it's, it's almost lifelike it's getting closer like you see the sweat and the glistening on like it's it's funny they, they, how far it's come in like 10 years these NBA games but you know I'm sure the gameplay has evolved a little bit but at this point it's just okay how how much sweat droplets can we put on your face how much money can we wring out of you and oh, how yeah. many droplets can we get on your face how many virtual card packs can you buy yes <laughs> you know that's a new card no one you know sports cards is basically for the most part dead uh, versus what it used to be but now it's all virtual stuff now it's all you know you don't you don't feel a binder anymore now you just 
spend a dollar a spin or unwrap or whatever. Yeah, cards have been popular again in the past few years. Sports cards? Yeah. Past like two, three years, there's well, been your... uh, there's been um with kids. There's been a no, no. It's all adults. It's all adults. But there's been a big bump in the uh, in the market. And Vani had boxes and boxes of cards that she couldn't get rid of for like ten bucks a, a pop for years. And um, yeah, they were recent. They recently sold for like forty, fifty bucks a box. Or if people during COVID want to open up packs of cards. Yes, that's exactly it. The 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 forty nine year olds that were collecting back in the late eighties. <laughs> some of my some of my friends were doing it. Uh, friends like John and Lincoln and uh, my friend uh, Joseph. They were buying like the cheap. They were buying like the cheap wax. You know the pro cheap, set hockey cards. The stuff cheap like wax yeah. uh, pack like baseball cards. They were, they were doing those tops. And uh, yeah, when they started doing it like a couple of years ago, it wasn't like a big deal. And then like all of a sudden, over the past couple of years, the prices on those boxes have gone up because that's, more and more people have been interested. That's in it. insane to me. Because the, num- the number of boxes that are still out there, I mean, they made they made billions of the old. Co- like well, the prices of- didn't really start to jump until COVID, and I think it's just because everything has gotten expensive during COVID. I mean, God, almost well, an eighty-seven tops baseball card. I box think that's one of the most common ones. Yes. so that's probably that not. Like, that was like the peak, like late eighties. That's probably not going shit. to be too crazy. Yeah, I mean, the packs are worthless, like a dollar each for a pack. I mean, that you won't even get that. Uh, a box unopened, twenty six bucks, no bit. Yeah, I mean, I go to the swap meet and I see boxes of this stuff, and no one wanted it. Um, it's, it's worthless. These cards. Uh, so someone graded a, a, a pack of eighty seven tops. Why would you grade a pack of eighty seven tops baseball cards? They'll never be because they do that with the older ones, and, and people play the lottery, like you know, like the eighty six, eighty seven Fleer uh, set, which has all the rookie cards, yeah, in, like Jordan. So you'll see like themselves because that's like your guarantee i'll buy that rip it open and play the lottery to see if i get expensive rookie cards like the jordan that makes sense not a worthless card pack that costs you probably 30 bucks to get graded like that doesn't make any sense at all to do that a million years from now that will not be worth money an 87 tops baseball un- unopened wax pack all right sorry we went off the beat track there um so there was a there was a lot of interesting uh Spider-Man 3 movie news that's come out the past like two months uh, first it was like you know at the end of, of uh, you haven't seen Far From Home yet right? I haven't seen any of them I'm surprised I, I enjoyed Far From Home a lot more than Homecoming um, I thought it was, it was very well done even though I still have issues with the Tony Stark stuff um, so now they, they've announced uh, first they announced that um, first they announced Jamie Foxx was coming back as Electro. Right. And that was weird. Because, like, okay, that was in the second and Because he's in between the two, well, two that, universes. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that was not not these movies. That was that was already, what, eight years ago or so? Uh, no, Jesus, really? Uh, seven, 2014 it was, the second one. 2014. Yeah. Um, was, was The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which underperformed. It was a... Uh, it was a... It was the Batman and Robin of the Spider-Man movies. It was so much going on. So many villains crammed in. The, the Harry Osborn story crammed in. Harry Osborn wasn't in that first Amazing Spider-Man. And all of a sudden, hey, you're back! It was like the whole. It was just off the whole movie. Then they throw in the Rhino, Paul Giamatti as the Rhino. Then they throw in Electro, which the, it was a weird ass Electro. It was weird, um, and some people liked it. But I think most people said it was a weird performance and a weird portrayal of Electro by Jamie Foxx. So they first announced he's coming back, and people were like, oh well, they brought back. Uh, J.K. Simmons as 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 uh, J. Jonah uh, Jameson, so maybe it's the same sort of thing. But it's like, well, 
that was such an iconic role to begin with, how he portrayed it. It'd be weird to recast him. Electro isn't exactly the most famous Spider-Man villain to have, even though they kind of hinted that this could be a Sinister Six movie, this third Spider-Man movie, because his, his, his uh, identity is revealed at the end of, this, of it, spoilers, of the second movie to the world. But um, it was still a weird choice. Why would you bring back Jamie Foxx's Electro? Are you going to play in the same way? Is it going to be a different Electro, but the same actor? It just doesn't make any sense to do that. But then, once they said, well, Doctor Strange is going to be in this movie. And it's like, hmm... Well, right. the Doctor Strange next movie is going to be uh, a multiverse uh, sort of movie where he's trying to probably keep everything together from falling apart, the universe. Um, and, what, and Whatever happened to that movie? Wasn't that supposed to be out like two years ago? No, that was always like 2021. This is what I like oh, okay. about the MCU movies. The sequels are like three and four years apart. I like two years, three max between my sequels. Once you get to four, because like Thor... They announced too much shit ahead of time, too. Because like Thor Thor 2 came out in like 2013, then Thor, Thor 3 came out in 2017. Uh, so now it's like for me five years between that. So these actors don't get any younger. Um, so like you got to get your sequels in within like two three years, not like six years, because it's going to be like almost six years between sequels for Doctor Strange. So there's also doing the Wandavision series though, which I think was all supposed to happen where she's she went out of her mind because because of the death uh, of Vision, and so she's now imagining uh, a different reality, which is creating new realities. Like so, this is I think all going to work in. So what this is building towards is. How are we going to get the X-Men into our movies? Right. And probably Fantastic Four in a way. That would be a, a simple way to do that without reintroduce, reintroducing them in, in a movie. Um, but now the fact they're going to do this, work this in with Spider-Man 3 is very interesting to do that. Um, so the news from the Hollywood Reporter is that he's going to serve as a mentor to Peter Parker, which makes me sick because he doesn't, Spider-Man does not need another fucking mentor figure at all. Let him grow up and be a man. But um, that's what's going to happen with these movies. So what's interesting, people now are theorizing, well, if you're bringing in Electro, maybe you're going to bring back the Sam Raimi movies as well. Maybe you'll have these three different Spider-Man live action stuff sort of interact in a way. Maybe you'll get a cameo from from Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield, I'm like that could be cool. They're basically they're basically doing that with the Flashpoint movie with the DC, but they but they got to reboot their universe. That's why they're doing that because right. it's a fucking mess. Um, you don't have to do that here, but it would be interesting just to see it because because well, you didn't get a, a, an ending to the Andrew Garfield movies. You didn't get a good ending to the Tobey Maguire movies. There's supposed to be a fourth movie that they were supposed to do. Then they said no, we're not doing this. We're, we're going to just reboot it with Andrew Garfield. So I'm interested. I'm interested to see if they do that. That would be even just for twenty seconds to see Tobey Maguire. I think people would go nuts. This is something that is, is, is I, I it's driving me nuts with um, media. It's happening with movies, but also uh, happens a lot with Netflix um, these days. Um, stories never fucking finish. Sure. Shit gets canceled or switched around or bought out by someone else, and it's just, well, fucking reboot it. Just restart it, or we're done. And it's, I don't know, it's it, it sucks. There's no commitment to a fucking beginning, middle, and end anymore. Well, Spider-Man 3 had an ending, but it sucked a lot. Like, so the fourth movie, they even realized the fourth movie is going to fix this. We're going to clean up, have a really good go-out-with-a-bang fourth movie, which I was on board for. Um, but then when they canceled it, it was like, fuck. What are you going to do? Because three, Spider-Man three is a mess, and and any revisionist history to say otherwise is, I've never seen it, and I I, I, I won't. <laughs> I, I walked out numb. I wasn't pissed. I was numb when I walked out because you don't understand the build up, how 
Spider-Man 2 was so excellent, and then 3 was like, holy shit, we're gonna get Venom. I mean, I, I do understand. I was uh, there. I saw the movies. <laughs> well, you didn't see that one. Because I heard it was fucking awful, so I said, alright, I'm not gonna spend my money on it, it. It wasn't that it was awful, it was just so underachieving that you wanted to, like, after how excellent 2 was, you're like, you couldn't believe it was the same series at that point. 2 was very good. I liked the first two um, yes. Raimi Spider-Man movies. Yes. I thought they were good movies. And then 3 had meddling, because Raimi did, famously did not want to put Venom in it, and thank you, Raimi, and too bad you couldn't stick to your guns, but the, you know the studio wanted you to, to do that. He wanted to have Sandman and Vulture as the villains. He wanted to have two classic Spider-Man villains. And then they said, no, well, we don't want to do Vulture, because who cares? Uh, what we're going to do uh, Venom instead and not have it make any sense at all and then have Sandman be Uncle Ben's killer spoilers Ian which is which spits in the face of every fucking Spider-Man fan so the whole thing sucked like it, it sucked Cause, because because they set up uh, Harry to, to be Harry could have been a standalone villain as a second green goblin for Spider-Man 3 they set it up sure. brilliantly in the sequel they set it up brilliantly and then they sort of just like said well we're just going to throw that away in the first 15 minutes like, uh, like that's done even though that was like what everyone was like so it really should have been like Sandman and just Green Goblin like that would have been fine if you want to do Sandman but anyway sorry sorry and then Spire, Amazing Spider-Man 2 was a mess on your performance so they canned that and then they did the deal with with Marvel which was a big deal and then Disney slash Marvel so end of story there but um anyway so I'm looking forward to this I just don't want every Spider-Man movie to now lean on uh, multiple Spider-Man because that's I think I think the second anime movie is going to have multiple Spider-Man again. It's like I I rather see a Ma- Miles Morales standalone movie. I don't need to see seven different Spider-Man in each movie. Spider-Man is interesting enough as a character to have one guy in the movie though. I just hope that's not going to be what how they do it going forward. That's all. It's a gimmick. It's a fucking gimmick uh, to me. And no more being uh, you know how many mentors does Spider-Man need? Jesus Christ. Um. Anyway, sorry about that. It's all right. But I think Doctor Strange could be interesting with in a Spider-Man movie because I, I do like Ben yes. Cumberbatch's portrayal. Yeah, he, I do. He, 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 he does a good job. But before I totally lose interest in this stuff, because it's interesting, because there there hasn't been an MCU movie this year, and I guess I guess Black Widow's still coming out in November. I don't even know. It's, this whole year is a fucking wash. But it's like everything got pushed back, so I'm like my interest is fading so quickly. We're we're at the point where we have to start thinking about Christmas shopping, Pat, so, yeah, this, this year is is, done. Chris, is Christmas canceled? Because no trick-or-treating this year. You're not supposed to give out candy to kids. Which, which, you don't understand how much I enjoy that each year. Really enjoyed doing that. I put up a little costume. I did a Frankenstein mask last year, and like I, I, I would... Fuck I would, this year. I would love trick or treaters. I've always. You're wanted... not supposed to have them this year. No, I I, I. I don't get them anyway. I live in an apartment building. Oh. No, no one. No one shows up. Vani and I. Every year we put out a basket. We put out our our big black cat. That that the hat the hat the head is a bull. Oh, that's adorable. And we fill it with candy. And um, the comic book uh industry has started doing like uh like comics for Halloween, like the free, co- like basically like the free comic book day stuff you can order for Halloween as well. And they do like little Halloween issues mm-hmm. and we would hand out like comics and candy, but no one would come to the door. That's a bummer. Oh, I really almost forgot. We bought full size bars too. Wow. Full size bars. The one year we were like, fuck it. We'll get full size bars and comics. Nothing. Big spenders there. Yeah. Oh, I forgot the multiverse thing. This is how they're always going to bring the venom character into this as well all right man. good for, for that good for yeah sorry um okay uh, nintendo went after a, a an adult uh tiktok influencer and an only fans person 
Uh, people asked us to talk about this. So there was a there was a uh, person called Poke Prince Prince C X S S. Was that princess? TikTok user with 1.9 million followers, and she was forced to change her name and pay back some of her earnings after Nintendo issued a cease uh, and desist here. Okay, so this was reported from Game Ramp. So this is what happened. Um, so this this uh, this uh, this uh, influencer, I gotta hate that. You know, you hate it. I hate it more and more. Um, so so she had can't like, stand that term. So she had Pokemon branded merchandise, and and that rubbed Nintendo the wrong way. She was sold shirts and T-shirts with uh, Pokemon characters and Pokeballs. And uh, Nintendo uh, ceased and desisted her, uh, was what I saw. Um, and, and so some people, I guess, I, I, to me, it's like common sense. Don't sell Nintendo merchandise. But on top of that, she's she's in the adult realm. So Nintendo would definitely go after you at that point. Um, yeah, the Kotaku article points out there are countless other people selling shirts, mugs, and prints featuring Nintendo characters. I think it's, I think it's the fact that this person is known. Yes, there are lots of websites that have bootleg Pokemon stuff on it. Um, but if you're, uh, you know, if you're a person who's doing Twitch, YouTube, OnlyFans, stuff like that, and you're selling merchandise, uh, your merchandise with that stuff on it, it's just going to get to Nintendo quicker, and they're going to shut it down quicker. Yeah, this is not a, this isn't a person with like 100 followers. This is a person with tons of followers. So like, it's gonna, it's gonna get out there. And I think, again, the, the adult angle Nintendo was definitely like, okay, we got, we have to stamp this out. Um, so yeah, so uh, she put out a video said I got sued by a giant company. She didn't get sued. Uh, that just annoys me because it makes Nintendo out to be the super, super, super bad guy. A cease and desist is basically just saying, hey, knock it off. That's illegal. Knock it off. And if you knock it off, they don't go after you. Um, so yeah. not, not holding Nintendo's water here, but it's like I don't know what else Nintendo would expect them to do in this situation. Well, so. she says obviously that really sucks. From but from a business standpoint, I have to understand and accept it because I fucked up. Uh, pointing out that she's been using the name for eight years now, and um, you know she didn't understand the law. Okay, uh, she adds, I want to make it clear that I'm not trying to play the victim, and only hope to uh, somebody people can learn from. Go away, ads. I'm reading. Uh, it only hope to be someone people can learn from and not to make the same mistakes. I still love Nintendo and will forever support them. Um, there you go. I mean, it's not. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can't. She, she's already she's already got more attention. She got more attention than this. To, I mean, I would have never heard of her probably uh, from this. And now she's going to probably get more followers and make more money. And she's already made a lot of money from the past merchandise. I don't think Nintendo's getting all that back. Um, so yeah. At I mean, the end of the day, it doesn't seem like it's really all that bad of a situation. Yeah. Um, sure. So, so you excited for Animaniacs coming back? Uh, to a degree. They're zany to the max, Ian. Uh, it was just, I don't know. I can relax. I, um, collapse. They're Animaniacs. Yeah, they are. Uh, yeah. I mean, seeing that pop up on my feed the other day was pretty exciting. Um, so, so it was, it was a teaser trailer in the, in the realm of Jurassic Park, the scene when they finally see the fucking all the dinosaurs in the distance and like lose their mind yeah and but they see uh yakko wacko and dot instead and uh, i thought it was cute um they announced that they were also bringing back pinky and the brain hopefully we'll see some of those other shorts come back too. the good feathers always is always funny to me to do a good good fellas yeah there was the uh, good feathers parody. yeah um slappy squirrel <clears throat> slappy i enjoy slap I, I really liked uh for some reason i liked the God, it was the the big dog trying to save the save the baby. Oh yeah, that was just adorable. It was they always did like a medley. There's always like three or four different different segments. 
Um, the humor seemed to be the same type of humor. The art looked, uh, obviously, it's not like hand drawn, but, but it, it looked very, very similar. It's in the realm. It, it didn't look like um, it didn't look like cheap, you know, slapped together like uh, Flash Animation were doing this sure. for a, a profit. It looked like there was some, you know, uh, thought into it. Uh, Adult into humor, it. obviously, because that was big with the well, was always big with, with all the Warner Brothers cartoons. Yeah. Um, surprised that they jumped right to Animaniacs and didn't reboot Tiny Toons. Uh, but I don't really care. I just thought that was kind of surprising that they didn't. Really? Yeah. I figured Tiny Toons would have been ripe for a reboot at some point. I think Animaniacs is more relevant, being that it always leaned more social commentary sure. and political, and so that I think that's going to be some of that. Um, I can't wait for the, oh, this is too political. It was always political and social satire, Animaniacs. Always. Everything's political. You just don't remember it when it's politics that you agree with or you're not, or, or you're just too young to get it. Like, and honestly, like, I never was drawn to Tiny Toons. I never want, I wanted to watch Animaniacs. I thought Pinky and the Brain was absolutely brilliant. Uh, whenever they had those, and then, like the Christmas special, actually brought a tear to my eye. Oh, like I you said, know, like, I, I actually I, I enjoyed Animaniacs. It's a fucking Orson Welles, an Orson Welles uh, basically parody for children who don't know who Orson Welles. Like it's it's insane. Uh, who know? did the voice? Was it Maurice Lamarche? I think does the voice. Is he still alive? Uh, It'd be, be a shame if he's not around anymore. I'm pretty sure he's still alive. Pinky and Brain voice, Maurice Lamarche. LeBlanc. Maurice LaMarche. Le uh, let's see. You can't, you can't do it without the same voices. It's tough. Uh, to, it's never exactly the same even when you get someone. Who, yeah, he's uh, still around. Uh, he's 62 years old. Wow, I didn't realize they had, they had that many standalone episodes. 90, they had let's see. Oh, they, oh they, had six, they had 97 segments overall, I guess, between uh, Animaniacs. And I guess they had their own show as well for a little bit. Uh, Pinky but, and the Brain? Yeah. Yeah, they did. They had their own show. Sure. So that was obviously the big spinoff from Animaniacs, but there was like that. There was like five or six individual uh, segments on Animaniacs. So, all right, it's going to come to Hulu. All the episodes are coming November twentieth. So I will definitely check that out. I, I uh, do I do I don't do I have Hulu anymore? I used to use my uh, ex's password. I might have to gently ask her to get her password. Again. I will definitely <laughs> give it a shot. Um, it, cartoons are all that I can be bothered to watch these days. But I think this this. This is gonna yeah. This is gonna be interesting. They can probably do parodies of like superhero movies in there, and like this 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 year is so fucking nuts that I think they're gonna they're going to be commenting on some of the stuff this year. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it'll be the gentler version of like how South Park you know comments on stuff. Animaniacs uh, there. So which but which the pandemic special was great from a couple weeks ago. South Park anyway. All right, well that's it for this uh, intro. Is anything else is going on? No. Is there anything else going on? Nothing? No. Uh, nothing in our lives going on at all interesting? Nope. I talked nothing. about what was interesting in my life. I think you're interesting, Ian. Thanks, Pat. Oh, there's... <laughs> there's gonna... <laughs> that was like a disdainful <laughs> acceptance of the... Of a comment. Um, real quick. <laughs> there's gonna be a... There's gonna be a new Flimbergart Manus um, in early November... I'm editing it right now, and I'm going to try to do an NES Punk this month. Try to edit the Flea Market Madness a little bit, but then go to do the NES Punk episode and hopefully do that while well, I still have the energy and will to do those. But then you'll have a new Flea Market Madness next month, uh, for sure. Because pe people like the Madness, Ian, and they're from five years ago, from 2015, the ones I'm currently editing. <laughs> because I would, I would shoot when I went every week. 
And for those that were saying, that is a couple people say, why are you putting this out in 2015? Would you rather me not put them out? Like, the reason I used to, they're easy to shoot. That's why I did them. Like, they're easy to shoot them. And then I was working on this really heavy and expensively long, expensively long uh, guidebook, so I couldn't edit anything in basically 2015 or 16. Uh, so that's why I'm editing him now. Finally, I got, I got my got my got my mojo back there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Ian. Yes. So um, originally, the um, the the console called the Intellivision Amica was supposed to come out October tenth, two thousand twenty. They took <laughs> and it was ready to ship. It was ready to ship. By gum. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they took pre-orders for it back in March and April. They still are pre- taking pre-orders now. If you want the Galaxy Purple one on GameStop, it's it's a it's a very inexpensive three hundred dollars uh, for for the Galaxy Purple edition. Um, so. I guess in lieu of, of 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 the console actually coming out, they decided to put out a couple of update videos for the video uh, for the Amico. They did a hardware video and a gameplay video, and I guess we'll go through the hardware video first. So it they uh, it was Tommy Tallarico, the, the CEO, uh, talking about the design of the console with a, with a couple of folks, I guess, who were helping with the design. Um, I, I think they, they. I think he went to a company to, to, to basically said, make, basically make, give me a, 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 an idea. Like I have an idea for a console. This is what, how, how I want it to look. Make it for me. He went to one of these companies that, that did, helps design products. Sure. So he talked about he wanted Ferrari and Lamborghini uh, curvature on it. He has a car fetish. Okay, I don't know. I don't know how that's relevant at all, or why you'd want to tell people that. I just don't know, like why you, you want that to be part of your hardware video. But okay. Uh, the one thing I'll say, though, this is another pitch for investors, I, uh, this whole video. I don't see how any consumer or anyone interested in a video game console wants to know almost any of this information in this amount of detail. Like, this is more detailed than Nintendo would ever tell you about how they the, they were thinking about the design of a console or the plastics or or the finishing or th- things of that nature. It's a very strange video. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's definitely... Um... I think it's definitely it was more more towards investors. Um, people do like teardown videos, um, but when you're dealing with a teardown video, most people want to see, um, uh, like with the the PlayStation Five teardown video, you're dealing with some cutting edge tech there. Uh, learning about the chip technology, learning about what's in there, all this um, DVR. What are we learning about with the Intellivision? Well, we're learning about what kinds of plastics and finishes are being used uh, and how thick the plastic is. Uh, we're uh, learning about the cooling vents. Yeah, that was weird. Just real quick on that. I'm not trying to slam the technology of cooling vents, but like almost all electronic devices have some sort of cooling that's involved, like hair dryers or like I like I don't understand like why that would be focused on like so much. Like that's common sense that you're going to have cooling for your game console. Um, focusing on color choice, so it's the centerpiece of your living room. That was something yes. that was brought up many times during that video that I thought was 
that was putting a a laughable amount of undue importance on the Intellivision Amico uh, in someone's day-to-day life. Yes, and and that's what the one thing you want to get get on me and Ian for for being unfair. If you don't like us, um, we actually have not really knocked how this console physically looks. It looks cheap, the, like how it actually looks. The console, yes, it looks cheap. People online are saying it looks like a foot bath. It does. We haven't said that because I don't like making fun of how consoles look because it's, it's really what they offer, what software, and how it operates. So I mean, why, the PlayStation 5 looks pretty fucking dumb. But, like, that's the thing. The whole point is that, like, every console looks dumb. Like, I'm sure people were making fun of the GameCube when it was announced because it's a fucking cube. Actually, I, I, I always thought the GameCube and the Dreamcast are pretty sexy looking okay. consoles. Here's the point, though. I thought it's, for, even for this product, too low-hanging fruit to talk about how bad the console looks. To me, that's the, the last thing on the, on the list. But to have the audacity to me to say it'll be the centerpiece of your living room? Come on. I mean, yeah. come on, man. So um, they talked about... They did a couple minutes on the LED lights almost. Um, so so we already established that the, the controller is going to have LED lights, and, and they claim that some games are going to use the lights. You're going to look at the controller in order to figure things out, like... Like, oh, like, I guess the yellow will point down, so you click that button down for yellow or, in order to open a yellow... It all sounds thing. very, very exciting. Yeah. Game-breaking. Uh, uh, game-changing. Uh, yes. Maybe game-breaking. Or, 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 like, I guess in order to solve a puzzle, if you're trying to defuse a bomb, maybe the colors will go... Uh, first of all, if you're colorblind, you're kind of fucked. Uh, if you're Ian, you're screwed. Yeah. I would have come to that. But then the console is going to have... Uh, correct me if, I, if I'm wrong. Forty LEDs on the console itself. No, well, someone will correct us if we're wrong. Forty, forty LEDs. So if you wanted to justify having gameplay elements on on the controller itself, even though me and Ian always say it's really bad to have to look down at your controller to play th- things and look back up. There's a reason why the uh, Wii U did not do a lot of stuff between the gamepad and the TV. They realized pretty quickly in that it's uncomfortable to have to constantly... It's unintuitive. Right. You don't have to constantly shift your focus and attention between two different objects. The The reason why the DS and the 3DS were able to do it was it was two screens and it was... But you could... They were both in the same... During your view. They were in the same field of view and it was rotating your eyes up or down. It's... Once you have to actually start moving your head, it becomes strange. Yeah. So I don't understand the LEDs on the console. Um... Because if you definitely not want to look at your console twenty feet away, fifty feet away to see what the hell is going on, if it has anything to do with on, what's on the TV, that's going to be insane. Right to do that to go back and forth between the TV controller co- console like that's nuts to do that. I mean, certain games it'll work fine with um, the stuff that they're doing. That's going to be like the Jackbox games, um, which is not a new concept, um, like the emoji charades or whatever the hell uh, they they were showing. There are some game types where that will work, but it's not action games. Emoji charades, the pre-existing app game? Yeah, the pre-existing app game. Yes. That's an exclusive... So, aren't all these games supposed to be exclusive? Oh, yeah. Well, Ian, well now there's this exclusive feature that maybe we'll add a level and call it exclusive. Uh, okay, so here's the point, is that that's there's no reason to put LEDs on a console. You're incre- you're jacking the price of the console at least some dollars right there, and the, no one w- will want to use it as like a light show element. Like no one's going to do that. The older crowd's not going to do that. The, the, like the people that you're trying to get that played the Wii 15, uh, 15 years ago, fourteen years ago are not going to use that. Kids are not going to 
care about that. You can buy a little LED device that does that shit for under 20 bucks if well, you want something like that. The, the problem is, is this is all, even if it is something that people like, it's all, this is all it's just tacked on. surface deep novelty bullshit. It's just tacked on. Can we do it? Yes. Tack it on. You know, it has nothing to do with running a game well, console. You no, know, the weird thing is, is I, I don't feel like it's tacked on because this has been something that they've been very proud of since the, oh, the very well, beginning. When I say tacked on, I mean it's an element that you're throwing on a game console just because you can do it. I felt that's it's, what you meant, but I, I, yeah, I, okay. I, I want I want uh, to be I want to be clear here that these these LEDs have been something right. that they have talked about since the beginning. They are not going to be game changing. Like I can put LEDs on a toaster if I'm making a toaster. Sure doesn't mean i should do it i can have the toaster be the centerpiece of my kitchen and have a little laser led light show while i'm frying eggs doesn't mean it's a good idea <laughs> or consumer wants it that's the point that's what i'm trying to say here so so the the big thing that i noticed on the hardware change on this they showed the they showed the back of the of the of the console and it had you had your standard what sd card your your power uh function was on the back of there it had your hdmi out the big thing that was gone, though, is now the Ethernet uh, jack is gone there. And I, I understand that could be a small cost-cutting measure. Um, but the reason I, I think that's... I would, I would love to have kept that if you're really targeting the older crowd. is It's just it's one less step. It's simpler. Set, it's one less step not to set up your, your gateway and your Wi-Fi and dealing with that. If, if, you're, if you're in your 70s... Frank still struggles with Wi-Fi stuff. Like, that's not something, even if you get used to it, you still have to wrap your head around it. Some people just don't get that stuff. Um, yeah, I'm actually, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. It's a cost-cutting thing, and I think for 99.9% of people, it's not going to matter. But I do think it's funny, because that was the first thing I thought of. Um, one of the things that's constantly harped on when it comes to selling this thing is that it, uh, it's simple, Everything else is too complex. Well, you should have left the simple option on there then, because with that, all you do is plug it in and go. Yeah, you don't is, have to find yeah. anything. You don't have to put in any passwords. It's just plug and play. This is not this is not a plug and play system. You have to be on the internet. You have to have servers. You have to download games. So yeah, it's just one extra step. Yeah. I hate to double back to the LEDs, but uh, okay. I just wanted to say real quick that the thing that I thought was funny in that video was Tommy um, saying that because of his experience in putting on live music events uh he knows that lighting is important so that's why there's going to be lights on the television i don't there's no you're looking for that correlation <laughs> I'm there looking for the correlation. i'm not finding it i'm not finding why 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 a leads <laughs> to b that's very very strange to me okay um they they revealed the the chip kind of not exactly which one it is. Um, oh, there's wireless contact charging. You can get four to four hours of gameplay uh, for two-hour charge. Okay, I'm not sure if that's good or bad. It sounds a little bit low, but whatever. Sounds that's, low, whatever. Uh, they're, they're, they're chonky. They're chonky controllers. So you know, chonk boys. They're chonk boys. Um, so they revealed um, it's the Snapdragon. Uh, it's a Snapdragon chip. That's all they've revealed. They didn't yes. say which one. They said they're partnering with Qualcomm, which which means they're putting an order to buy Qualcomm Snapdragon chips. So, Ian, what what is a Snapdragon chip? Snapdragon is a mobile chipset. Um, it's uh, Qualcomm's mobile chipset. It's been around for 
um, a while. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's right. old or outdated, but it's 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 not it's not like a brand new thing. Snapdragon's been around. It's in your phones. Um, it's in your phones, and it's in the Intellivision Amico because the Intellivision Amico is just playing phone games that you have to pay two hundred and fifty dollars for uh, to access for no fucking reason, no reason whatsoever. Um, um. Sorry, just starting, <laughs> starting to feel something. To you again. Yeah. So, so the interesting is that people postulated this was a banana pie board uh, and, and chip in here. And from my hardware source, uh, who knows a lot about this stuff, he postulated that they probably were developing this originally on a banana pie board, which is like, you know, a $20 off-the-shelf, you know, board and chipset uh, combo, Android board. Um, so what, what he said was that you can get a Snapdragon chip as long as the same processing specs with the Banana Pie. You can just slip that bad boy right into that board, mm. and you can maybe maybe you get small. You'll get you'll get an, uh, an upgrade on your your power, but you you can basically do that. So that's probably what the realm of, of what they're doing here. Maybe they they see a small a small advantage of using a slightly more powerful chip, and so that's why they're going for Snapdragon. But it's in the realm of that Banana Pie still, like whatever that's supposed to be. That one point eight. What is it? A quad core chip or whatever, something like that. I believe that's what it was. Uh, gigahertz, one point eight. Um, yeah, color choice. So it's the centerpiece of your living room. I, I, I man, we 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 give we 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 give. Uh, we, we, we were not easy on the VCS, the Atari VCS. At least that looks like a it has a sleek design. It looks like something. It looks like something. It, 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 the design of the, the design of the, of the I famously said something about how it looked once you, you might have slapping some piece of, of body parts onto it because it looked sexy at the time so okay um, so they, they talk about taking design elements from the original television controller in this video which again it, that was what that was the first thing me and Ian said uh, when this was originally announced like why would you go back to that well when no one ever went back to it and no one likes that controller and again, it comes down to the vanity of wanting it to appear yes. like the original television. It's vanity. It's vanity. It's That's my it. favorite system, so it's going to be everyone else's favorite system, including this awful controller. It was my favorite console when I was 10, so 10-year-olds 40 years later are going to enjoy it as well. Like, it's just... It's just arrogance. That's what it comes down to. It's arrogance with your product. Yes. That's what it is. Um, even though they're not banking on the Intellivision nostalgia at all, you know, that, that can we forget that was thrown at us like you guys are saying that we're not banking on the television like, really yeah, i mean you are because you the only people who are interested in your product are uh 50 year old white dudes that sit around and say yes tommy sure. uh, on, on a podcast uh, a, fu- a funny moment happened in this video at 8:55 in it was it was a little um i guess little promo video they shot pieces of this were in the august uh, uh august 4th no 5th they, they delayed a day a video they show a, a four people playing in television skiing uh, there, they're all playing on four uh, of the controls. Oh no, they're playing on their cell phones in the video. Yeah, uh, in this promo video, they're literally all playing with the cell phone layout on their either a- their Android phone. It looks like so. I don't understand why you would even show that in your video, especially when um, you have constantly said that these games can only be done with that Intellivision controller, and that's why you've brought. No, you've just shown that they can be done with a cell phone. Why are you showing that? Like why? You couldn't get prototypes in their hands. They didn't pretend they were and, and then and then they they put it they put out another demo. They put out a demo for um, Breakout. Breakout. One of the games we actually said looks good. Sure, it does. Um, but I they put it. it on the PC. 
Yeah, I played it. I played it with a, with a mouse. Yeah, well, what did, what did you play? You played it on a computer I, I, I played, with a uh, mouse? Yeah, yeah, no, I don't have a prototype of Mikulain around. I played it on my computer so with a mouse. So you played it with a mouse on a computer? Yes. Okay. Not on an television. No, I don't think so. That I, is I, necessary I that for was, these experiences. Even though it's it's past 1010, there's not one out yet, so I played it on a computer. Okay. Just making sure. Oh, I see what you're saying. You don't need the Intellivision and Miko to play some of these. Okay, okay that's why. Yet to see any game that requires an Intellivision and Miko at this point. Um, okay, so that was interesting there. And then um, they talked they, they, they talk to the uh, Arc Electronics, who are, I guess they're the people that are going to oversee the manufacturing in China. They're, they're, they're based out of California. You had two guys in the company saying, we were so excited about the idea of bringing the family back together. These are guys that are like in their 60s or 70s. They're so excited at, at, at uh, checks being cashed. That's what they're excited about. Yes, exactly. They will manufacture whatever you want. That, whatever you, I want them to manufacture. If I want to do that, to, that uh, toaster with the LEDs, I'm sure they'll be the guys I want to talk to to get it done. Yeah. So again, this is for investors, and, um, and they'll they'll gladly, I'm sure, shoot you a video, my video for that, that says minutes. that you're bringing breakfast back to the family. <laughs> I'm bringing light shows back to breakfast. Yeah, basically. Okay, so that was the first video they put out. Then they put out a gameplay video. By the way, before all this, they had technical difficulties. Uh, in, I guess streaming this live, and then afterwards they canceled uh, Tommy doing a Q and A from his uh, I don't know his his, his attic uh, apartment uh, office. So they were having problems with that. Um, so they did the gameplay video. I hear. Uh, we, I'm going to jump right to the 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 meat of of this. Um, what was one of the big selling points of the Amica supposed to be? Uh, besides the LED light show, besides the light show, um, these are games you can only play and access on the Intellivision, and they know? are exclusive games. They're exclu- right. They're all exclusive. Well, that's one of the things that was fired back from Tommy saying, "Well, you can't play these games on mobile because they're not available on the phones." Well, that was directly said. That's bullshit. Because uh, in that gameplay video, towards the end, we're just going to get right to. The, I, 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 this is this is where the, the important stuff is. Um, uh, they breathlessly announced that they had uh, gotten some branding partners back in August. Back in August, uh, Sesame Street. Uh, they had nothing to show for it, but they just showed it. Uh, Care Bears, um, uh, MLB. Um, well, they they showed some stuff with those properties. Uh, they showed some Sesame Street games. Um, that's nice. The Sesame Street games are all web games. That are available free at sesamestreet.org. Here's the big news. This isn't in television news. They didn't drop these early so you could go play them. No, they're just out there. You can go play them for free right uh, now. They showed Count Me to Sheep, Big Birds Basketball, Cooking with Cookie, and Cookies Cookies. They showed at least those four games. I, I identified immediately that, okay... And this is the problem with with this at this point. Now, because of the dishonesty of the marketing campaign and the words of the CEO, now in my free time, I have to now try to go on the web or my phone and look up every goddamn game that is shown to see whether or not it pre-exists. And now it's a coin flip. Now it's like 50-50. Does this pre-exist or not? Like Nitro Derby, that VR game that was shown, that pre-exists. But you know, this, like, this is this is even crazier. I mean, this is this. I mean, no, this is fucking. This, no, this is embarrassing. This is an embarrassment. Free, free web games, free mobile games that have been available for years. 
This is, is, is what your advertising your system can do. It's and embarrassing. Then, uh, Care Bears Care Carts uh, that they showed at the end um, is a mobile game. You that's can get a, that on your phone right now. That's the first thing I did now. The first thing I did was Sesame Street. I said, you know what? I'm going to look. I didn't see it on my phone. I went to the website. I, I, I looked up. I Googled Sesame Street uh, web games and, and accessed it from there. And I was like, well, this is where it came from. Right there. There's there's the guy. There's the little, uh, what was it? It's sleeping in the bed. There was that. Which, which, which one was that? Is that Grover? I don't know. Uh, but then I looked up Care Bears, on, and, I, and I found it. Like, this is what we have to do now every time, unfortunately, is, is figure out, is this bullshit or not? So um, if, 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 if you pre-ordered this console, you, should, you, should, you shouldn't feel embarrassed about this, necessarily. You should, you should feel alarmed yes. that this is what's presented to you as... Excuse me. These are supposed to be games in development. At the beginning, it says, "What does it say at the beginning?" Early development, work in progress, early gameplay demos. So this is what if you're a YouTuber that's trying to make a a some sort of name for yourself by doing these daily and television Amico videos, or you 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 know you, you talk to Tommy. I would I would ask him how many of these games from this gameplay update video are actually playing on Amico hardware. How many of them actually are, and how many like the Switch? Uh, what was that? Uh, let's see. What was that? That shooter on, that's on the Switch. Like we knew that two months ago. They just took they just took footage from a trailer showing the Nintendo Switch version of that uh, of that shooter. So, how many of these are actually running on the Amico? Because now we have to ask that every single time we we look at this, we have to ask ourselves that. Right. We shouldn't have to do that. We shouldn't have to do research. We should be we in theory you should be able to trust what the marketing department of a video game company is telling you and not having to search out well this game is here Evil Knievel's on a mobile phone this game Finnegan Fox oh this was a pre-existing game they're now pasting over that's that already existed as as Fox and Force this is where we're at now and th- and it's not a joke anymore this is this is this is serious to me this is this is beyond House of Cards to me now. This is this is uh, damning stuff, like beyond damning to me to see this stuff. Is that how they're going to justify that it's exclusive? They're going to buy out old mobile games That's and put them on their console? Possible games that were free and get you to get you to spend two hundred fifty to three hundred dollars and then buy it on top of that. It's it's yeah, it's an embarrassment uh, to me to see that they showed updated cornhole. Uh, they showed Nitro Derby again, which is a pre-existing game. Um, they showed the Pong game we love. They showed Snafu. Snafu looks cute. I like Snafu. It looks like... It, that's, that actually art design looks cute for that, to be honest. You like how Shark Shark looks? No. No, it looks like it was fucking kitbashed together from a bunch of different assets. It looks awful. Um, and the shark looks like a ripoff right out of that Shark Tale movie. Um, let's see. What else? Uh, yeah, Evil Knievel. They showed, they showed uh, I guess, the early prototype build... I mean, early they showed a a pre 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 alpha. It's a baseball game that looks like it was it was tossed together within a week. Um, that I I can't believe they showed this. Wonder if I can get something more complete for a dollar ninety nine on my phone. Uh, here's the thing about this MLB baseball game is that they're banking on the nostalgia of you played MLB baseball on the Intellivision, whatever that came out eighty one or so eighty two. When that Intellivision baseball game came out, it was heralded and, and marketed as the most advanced baseball game 
at the time on a console. Yeah. It was advanced. They, Mr. Mr. Intellivision himself, uh, Plimpton, said, look how shitty the Atari one looks. This is how the Intellivision one looks. We actually have nine players on the field. Now, this is the worst possible-looking baseball game that you can probably get in 2020 or 21. Oh, yeah. That's the difference. So now we've gone... We've done a, well, done a 180 on, on how the Intellivision baseball game was advanced, and now it looks like utter trash. Like, I mean, that's how they're marketing, though, towards the nostalgia. You know? So, yeah, it's uh, it's nuts. Emoji Charades is a pre-existing game. Nitro Derby, Rigid Force Deluxe, like I said, that's the Switch game. So, um, yeah, if they, had sh- if they had said in the bottom of each of these games, this is footage from the mobile mobile game, this is f- footage from the, from the free web browser game, this is footage, that would have been better. It still would have been embarrassing, but it would have been better. So now I don't... Sh- so now when I see, like, oh, there's a blank slate on here... I don't know if that's a pre-existing game. I don't know if that's only on the Amico. I don't know if that's a game being developed for, for mobile apps that they're going to get a piece of. You know what I mean? I have no idea. I can't trust any of this anymore. No. We could barely trust it before, but now it, it's a toss-up on, on these games. It's a toss-up. Did you like the improved uh, cornhole? It's no longer 20 frames a second. It's now like 30 frames. Yeah, it was nice. So it was smooth. So yeah, that, I mean that, that's all. That's all I'm going to uh, say about about this at this point. I, just, I you can't you can't trust what's going on with this. You can't. If I was an investor already ex- investing, I would be pissed off because it makes it look like an amateur project. If I already have my money into this uh, project and I see that video put out, I'm pissed. I'm pissed. Yeah, I mean I don't because now you have people like us pouring this stuff out, and it makes your company look like like amateurs and unprofessional. Yeah, I, 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 he's 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 so lost in thinking that the licenses and the branding is important that he's at the point where he's pushing literal web games as free web games besides the free mobile games as as features as selling points for his system. It, it's nuts. You'd be better off with no. No, no branding partners. If, no. if all you're going to have on there is cheap trash that you can get for free elsewhere, it, it's it's nuts. Let's see, Care Bears Care Carts. Um, it's a free download. I can get it. I can get it on. Uh, let's see. I can get on Amazon. Can apps you? And games. Click oh. through. I don't think you can. Get I, I clicked through, and it take it took me to. Well, the, a dead link. According to this, I can try to get it from my Fire TV stick, but you're saying it's, it should be gone by now. Uh, when I clicked through I, I, a couple of links, when I finally clicked through and got to the point where it would get to the app, it said that that page was no longer available. Oh, I now own it on my Fire Stick. I just clicked on it. All so right. I will give you my Care Bear Care Carts review via my Apple. My, they're they're free again. They're free smart TV games. They are. You can sure. you can you can click on your, your 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 Samsung smart TV right now. There are games on there that you can download and play, like shooters, and there are like a physics like uh, evil can evil type of games you can play. So that's that's the stature of game you're looking at right here on, on this console, unfortunately. So, anything else to add here? There was there was comments on NeoGaf. Obviously, everyone trashed this. It's not just five haters out there. It, no one really is l- liking how this is looking. Yeah, nothing to say. 
You can get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. HelloFresh offers convenient delivery right to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. The recipes are easy to follow and quick to make with simple steps and pictures to guide you along the way. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table, usually in about 30 minutes or less. HelloFresh offers many delicious options every week so you can break out of your recipe rut and try new things. And they offer stuff for everyone, including people who want a low-calorie diet, who are vegetarian, and there's kid-friendly recipes, too. Just this past week, we did uh, barramundi with hash, so fish. Uh We also got ravioli with a cream sauce, and we did um, a stir-fry as well. So they really kind of hit... All sorts of different bases. You're not just doing burgers and sandwiches all, and things like that. All sorts of palate angles. Yeah, I I, uh, I made the the feeling chili, the, the chicken stir fry with the green beans, and oh, it was delicious. It was it, it, it was it was healthy and delicious. It's like, what more do you want? Yeah, it was great. HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients, so you're not overbuying, which is a burden on the planet and your wallet. The pre-portioned stuff is a, a big thing. No food waste, especially if you're busy, if you're doing a lot of work. Um, getting those ingredients pre-portioned and delivered to you uh, keeps you from buying a big bag of something that you're not going to use all of. Yeah, then you throw it out, or it's like, well, it, it adds up when you when you purchase a lot of stuff and you don't use it throughout the year. So HelloFresh is committed to making fresh, delicious foods available now more than ever and has taken extra steps to keep its employees and customers safe, including contactless delivery, tamper-proof packaging, and team member wellness checks. They've also donated over 2.5 million meals to charity in 2019, and this year they're stepping up food donations to local communities amid the coronavirus crisis. All right. You can go to HelloFresh.com slash CUPodcast80 and use code CUPodcast80 to get a total of $80 off Five boxes, including free shipping on your first box. Again, get $80 off and free shipping on America's number one meal kit by going to HelloFresh.com slash CUPodcast80. Get cooking. Get going with HelloFresh. All right. Uh, Ian, GameStop is um, looking to partner with Microsoft. They they signed a uh, an agreement for a strategic uh, accord is what they called it. Yes, uh, their stocks jumped 27% after a strategic partnership with Microsoft Core gave investors fresh optimism that the video game retailer can turn around its business. That's from MSN. Um, So basically what's happening is uh, Microsoft, uh, basically their cloud services will be used at GameStop stores. Include uh, they'll be using Microsoft programs for inventory, finance. Uh, they say e-commerce, so probably on their website. Um, workers will use Microsoft Surface tablets, and um, GameStop will offer Xbox All Access, a monthly service for the Xbox gaming uh, console. They'll just sell it for them. Yeah, they'll sell it for them. They'll push it. So basically, what it is is, it, yeah, it looks like you know Microsoft will officially have their software, you know. In, in in the store in terms of how the store functions and operates and they will also push um, some Microsoft services uh, I don't think that this really amounts to much of anything long term um, this is not going to magically make people suddenly desire physical video games again um, this isn't going to get people back into the store uh, this is one of those things where, that I, I personally don't 
always understand uh, just because something happens with a big name doesn't mean it's going to save the business. Um, I still look at this as, you know, GameStop stringing themselves along just a little bit longer. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think it's going to... I, I don't see how this is going to be a boon for them in any well, way, shape, or form. It's fresh money. They're going to do some Microsoft advertising, but... Um, I don't know how much Microsoft is paying them. Right. If, if, if they say, "Hey, you're going to use our tablet. We'll give you the tablets for free. We'll give you the sure. tablets, or maybe we'll, we'll we'll give you a little bit of money." But it, it's it now every store has you know like in the NFL they use the Surface tablets. It's a it's a, it's a it's a it's a endorsement deal for that. Right. But for this, it's just like you think Microsoft. It, uh, you know, do uh, you think that Microsoft ha- was held over a barrel by GameStop? They can oh, absolutely they can not make the terms of the agreement. Yeah, and GameStop be like, "Yes, please. Yes, yes, Microsoft. We'll do whatever you want." Right, because they need whatever they can get at this point. Yeah, so they'll probably, you know, they'll get like a percentage if they if they sell the, you know, they sell, they sell the Game Pass deal, whatever. They'll get a percentage, GameStop, like in their store. They'll, they'll be incentivized to push it more, probably. But from what I saw, they want like, they want like employees walking around with the Surface tablets, like interacting with the customers. I guess to 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 be more like close to them, like like an Apple Store person, and just and just point out, oh, here's your gaming experience, and like these are the games you should be looking at, and like showing them, like that's they want to guess try to transform their stores via this. Yeah, is it that, or is it like uh, do you have such and such in stock? Well, let me just check this handy dandy Surface tablet instead like, of walking over to the shelf and looking. Because GameStop stores are not set up like. Apple stores. Apple stores are open and free, and you can sit down and you can go on the tablets or the phones or the computers. It's very bright. GameStop stores are like it's very bright. Yes, it is. Uh, are are you know more more cluttered? You have lots of shelves, so it, it, you can't necessarily transform the transform the stores easily because you have a limited amount of space uh, for sure. But now you have to now retrain your all your employees to use these tablets and interact differently with your customers. And I just see this as being a huge pain in the neck. I don't see what GameStop gets out of this overall. If they think that it might be a better customer service experience, uh, I don't think adding a tablet's going to automatically increase the, the camaraderie between the employees and your customer. I just don't see that. No. You have to have that as a working relationship. Like, it's hard to have a GameStop store that's been around for 20 years and employees working there forever. All of a sudden, okay, well, you have to basically re- retrain how you work and your customers have to be cool with it too. Maybe I don't want a, a GameStop employee approaching me with with a, a with a Surface tablet, getting in my face and telling me about all the new releases and trying to learn about. Maybe, I can picture them Ian doing them asking, "Well, what type of games do you like to play?" Click, click, click. You know, what's your demographic? And then, oh, here's your recommendations for sure. you. You know, like turn around on you. Like, I'm here to pick up a game that I'm, I'm looking to buy. I'm looking to buy a birthday present. I'm looking for a Christmas present. I don't necessarily need this ex, all these extra steps in between. It's weird. To me to see this yeah it's it's strange i they're at the they're at the throwing shit at a wall and seeing what sticks phase i i think I, we will probably see more weird decisions by gamestop in the coming months we already have uh from wanting to be a lifestyle center i mean yes to, i mean to lifestyles this shit i they are they are desperate and no 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 amount of you know uh 
27% stock surges is going to fix this. So are they are they counting on a similar deal now that the deal with Microsoft that Sony's going to do a deal with them to push the, whatever the, the Sony Game Pass, what's the Sony one called? Um, PS Now. PS Now. Are they, are they looking for that to get to wet their beaks there as well? Because if, if I'm Sony, I'd be pissed off. Okay, well, okay, you have a partnership with Microsoft. Does it mean you're not going to push our stuff as much? Like, is that what they're going for? Or at this point, GameStop doesn't care. They got to make as much money as they can before they're done. Yeah, I think know? that's it. Because obviously they're going to make some more. They're going to, this will be their, this will be their best year, uh, best quarter. The year the year is 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 bad though because before COVID they were doing horribly. Yes, but the new consoles are coming out, so they're going to get some revenue that way. I don't know how much money they're making on these consoles. I have no idea how much they're making. Not much. I, I can't imagine they're making much because they're 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 lost leaders most of the time. These new consoles for Sony and Microsoft, they're not they're not making money on. No, them. they're not making money on them. Yes, yeah, so I would imagine that the amount of money that a place like GameStop makes on them is is slim to none. I mean, I've I've said it a, a bunch before, but one of the reasons there's a lot of reasons why we don't deal in new stuff anymore in the terms margins. of like sealed games. But the margins are just you the amount that you have to sell to turn a profit on the margins that they offer you is insane. I mean, the best case scenario, you might, might make $10 after tax on a new game, but most of the time you're making... After after tax, you mean federal tax and sales tax? Or what do you, what do you mean? Like, yeah, after, like, you pay back, like, after you pay the sales tax, you, you, you might make $10 on, on a game, um, but more often than not, it's somewhere between, like, two and five bucks. I mean, it's 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 crazy. Well, that's before the business pays taxes on on that revenue. Yeah, you know, games so like, come games coming in for you know fifty five ninety nine a fucking copy, and we sell it for sixty. It's nuts. So it's a, again, it's a, it's a volume play, but as Ian always says, they make their money on selling extra you know controllers and accessories and right. things like that. That's how they make their money. But um, is is it enough? I guess we'll see. First quarter two thousand twenty one. I mean, they're already planning on closing five hundred stores even before this. They, they know the revenue is going to be bumped up. So obviously the the stock jumps up. The stock in has nothing to do with the health of the business. Like I I, I repeat that. I repeat that. People that tell you it, it means they're saved don't know anything about business or stocks. That's, that tell you that. Um, we're on an uh, we're on an irreversible path for GameStop. We are GameStop is not going to be more needed as time goes on. It it's just it's it's just going to continue to get more and more irrelevant. Uh, so the, yeah, you can't save that. I'm looking at SeekingAlpha.com. Uh, the guy wrote the article said that he officially confirmed like, with GameStop that the following quote from their press release specifically refers to a revenue sharing agreement. GameStop and Microsoft will both benefit from the customer acquisition and lifetime rev- lifetime revenue value of each game are brought into the Xbox ecosystem. They're going to get a cut of, of Game Pass that they sell. They're going to get sure. a cut. I know which, if it's 10%, 20%, they're going to get a cut. Which means that I have a feeling that Regional managers are going to start breathing down managers and employees next again. Push start it. pushing sales. So working at GameStop is going to get fucking nightmarishly hellish again too. I I I I I truly feel bad for anyone who is going to be going through this holiday season working at a GameStop. For many reasons, it's going to be a nightmare. But, but again, I'm sorry. I think this. Yeah, it's great for Microsoft. They get free advertising for their game, their Game Pass, and it's worth it, whatever. If they give ten percent to Game, I really Stop. don't see anything that GameStop gets out no. of this. Some f- some free fucking trinkets. <laughs> yeah, we got we got a warehouse of Microsoft services laying around. We'll give you some. You know what I mean? Like that's that's okay. Yeah, we can replace your system that's working fine now with a different system that you're going to have to retrain all of your employees in on. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but if I'm in the store. I mean, how many people that are buying an Xbox console at this point don't know about Game Pass? Like, how many don't? That's like, that's what they're pushing 
to the to the front. So if I'm in GameStop, unless I'm getting a deal, I'm like, okay. I don't want to waste my time. I'll go. I'll just sign up in two seconds at home. I'll click the button. My credit card's already. I'll click the button and get Game Pass. Like why? Why am I doing it in? Store? Yeah, I mean that that is something it's that that should be should be noted is that you have access whether it's on like Sony uh, uh, PlayStation or uh, Xbox you have access to all it's, it's you don't need to buy this service from GameStop when you turn your system on I guarantee you within like within five clicks you can be you on the page to, to have that purchased buy now they're going to okay. make it they, yeah they're going to make it very easy it might even be two clicks <laughs> I was going to say if now I'm thinking about it, if I get it from GameStop how am I gonna? They're gonna give me a code then. I gotta put that, go online and yeah, go to the store. Gonna, they're gonna sell you a fucking code. Oh, fuck that! <laughs> like, come they're on. going to sell you a code. I'll just go home and buy it. I already got my credit card input there. All right. Well, anyway, well, it's 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 interesting to see this. I actually, oh, I'm now curious to see once this is fully implemented. I'm not sure how quickly they can implement this. I guess they, maybe they can do it before the end of the year. How quickly can they do this and roll us out to all the stores? I think it would be a nightmare for them to try to do it right now. But you think so? With it, they probably will. Well, getting the services out, I guess they'll have their own they'll have their own um, software on the surface. They need they to do it within the next couple weeks before holiday uh, business hits, or it's going to be a nightmare trying to train people on how to do that stuff while the while experiencing a surge of business. October is really like your last chance to get anything done before the holidays hit. And if you don't get it done before then, uh, you might as well push it off into the new year. So this is this is actually a good article. I'll give him credit. His name is Justin uh, Dofirala. Dof, he said that Nintendo and Sony were likely shocked about this revenue sharing deal, especially Sony, because they, they were usually pretty close to GameStop. Um, says, although their Nintendo relationship was recently warmed up with the addition of Reggie fils this was evidence on the last earnings call when George Sherman, our, our buddy from AutoZone, said we receive more than our fair share of Nintendo Switches and we sell these very rapidly. You, you, you think Reggie's actually putting in the work? You think he's calling up Mr. Mr. GameStop and saying, hey, listen, man, we got to work out a deal here. I wonder if that's actually if it actually helped, if Reggie's just, just sipping on mimosas somewhere and, and doing these uh, calls every couple of weeks. I don't know anything about Reggie's personal life or what he's doing now, but yeah, um, I don't know. Sale, according to this article, sale of GameStop European operations appears imminent. Wow. Uh, this is the first I'm hearing about this. That this is this might be a thing that happens in Europe? Really? Wow, this is a good article. I, I wish I read this before the podcast. I just found this right now. So anyway, uh, so check out this article. I'll link it from Seeking Alpha. It has a lot of details. Wow, they're looking to sell their European operations. That's that's news to me. This October. It's breaking, Ian. October 12th. That's an update. Oh, update. update. So there you go. There you have it. So I'm looking forward to going into GameStop, Ian, and seeing people with those with those blue, ugly surfaces uh, that I only see on. I don't know anyone who owns a, a Microsoft service. I just see Bill Belichick try to fumble with his on the Patriots sideline. Yeah, I'm old and crabby. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, some exciting potential news out of uh, Sega uh, the other day. So um, uh, Yos- Yosuke. Okunari uh, as a Sega staffer. Uh, this is coming from uh, a Nintendo Life article by Damian McFerrin, um, who has been heavily involved with many of the company's recent retro ventures, including the Sega Ages line and the Mega Drive Mini, has hinted that the company may tackle a Dreamcast Mini. Um, they said, uh, there was a quote when they, when they were speaking to Famitsu, um, that he says, uh, next we're considering concepts similar to the Mega Drive Mini. If I had to name some ideas, something like an SG-1000 Mini or a Dreamcast Mini. 
Um, so uh, that's that's interesting. Um, they said they won't be able to complete the next mini console this um, due to its scope by this time next year, or in other words, two years. So it'll it probably sometime next year is when we would look at seeing another mini console from Sega. Um, I want a Dreamcast Mini to be a thing so bad, uh, but the way he said it, I would want to know the tone, because saying something like an SG-1000 Mini sounds very jokish to me. Um, I mean, it's interesting, but the market... No one would buy that here. The, mar- no right, the, the market for an, something like an SG-1000 Mini would be nothing. At least, at least, at least in the U.S. For those out there, that's the pre-master system. Yeah, pre-master system. <laughs> that's like the that's like the Sega ColecoVision, like something in that realm. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, and honestly, it would be neat. I would play yeah, it'd it. Be but neat. It would be neat. But uh, I, like, that's 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 my that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know if this is. And and they continue to joke a little bit. Um, well, I was actually down. joking. Now I'm looking. I, I said ColecoVision. I'm looking on the Wikipedia. They had Congo Bongo and Sega Galaga and Flicky. So it was like the ColecoVision. Yes, that they had. Okay. Yeah, it was. And Golden um, Thirteen, which I own. Uh, the, they continue to joke a little bit. The Famitsu interviewer suggests that they could uh, miniaturize the R360 machine. The R360 is the huge arcade machine that Galaxy Force 2 used that can literally turn you almost upside down. Oh, holy shit. Uh, when you're in it, it looks like a big sphere. Um, you've never seen an R360? Was that the one I told you about that used to be on Casino Pier in the late 80s, early 90s? I think there was like a half one and a full one. Look look up R360. Okay. Um, Galaxy Force 2 had some very interesting fucking motion cabinets. Um, but they said that, you know, they joked about maybe even developing a Walk the Dog Mini because Sega has a dog walking arcade game. Um, but a Dreamcast Mini is something that I think a lot of people uh, have said that they would like to see. Um, and I think a Dreamcast Mini would do very well. Um, I think a Dreamcast Mini would be pretty easy for them to put together, too, because... Um, First party games, they have a lot of them. Exactly. At that just point, like the Genesis, they put on a lot of them. At that point, uh, especially by the time the Dreamcast comes around, they didn't have a ton of support from uh, third party developers, but uh, Sega's internal teams were firing on all cylinders then. Like, they were putting out some of their best shit. Um, so it would be easy to do uh, even just like an arcade focused one. Um, you know, you could That's license fair. Soul Calibur, um, but you could do Crazy Taxi, you could do Sega Bass Fishing. Yes, you will have Bass Fishing for you. I, no, it was a big game. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if it was on there. Um, but there's also, I, I think it's very easy to just think of, off the top of my head, tons of Dreamcast titles that would be great on it, including uh, Sonic Adventure, um, Power oh, yeah. Stone. Um, so you, so, you, so you have to get, uh, you have to get what Namco involved, Capcom involved a little bit, and license some of that stuff. Namco and Capcom were the big, the, the big contributors, and I think I'm, you know I'm if you the list right now, if you get so. them, I mean you've got all the fighting games that Capcom put out. So. Um, you couldn't you couldn't get the old uh, NFL 2K games because the licensing is gone. Unfortunately, people right. That's a shame because people love those games. NBA 2K, NFL 2K. Uh, maybe you can get C Man on there. That'd be interesting. Would be you'd need the you it would, I mean the the Dreamcast Mini with built with 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 mini microphone included. 
mean, well, that's something we can talk about. The controllers. Will there, would there be a built-in VMU on the, or not on, on the controllers? This could be expensive to, yeah. if, you, if you do that. A little screen. I would think you would have to have a VMU. That's like sort, sort of the, part of the character of the Dreamcast. I feel like it? you could probably build that in. That'd be cheap nowadays, wouldn't you it? You could do it. I mean, the, the, the uh, Hyperkin put out a Duke controller, uh, the, the original Microsoft, like the Fat Hands controller. Okay. Uh, and it has a... Uh, LCD screen on there that plays the fucking Microsoft startup when sure. you turn it on. So, yeah, it I mean, you could totally <laughs> you can totally do uh, you know, a, a dot matrix display for a VMU on there. I think I think you could probably do like 30 games. Do like maybe 15 to 20 Sega 15 Sega games, 15 third party and you could have something that would probably sell like like the 80 bucks it would sell like hotcakes. If you did this right. Uh, I mean, um, it would probably be 100. I think it would be a hundred. I think it'd be a hundred. Um, so it didn't work out well for the PlayStation. Yeah, but it didn't work out well for the classic. PlayStation because the PlayStation was dog well, shit. Well, the games were trash. The, the, I mean, they, they they didn't even use the right versions for a lot of those. They didn't give you the, the analog controllers either. Um, but the... Uh, yeah, they didn't give you the analog controllers either. But I mean, the, the TurboGrafx Mini was a hundred, and it seems to be doing just fine. Well, I don't know how many... You know, how many how many they actually sold though but would this have to be uh, two controllers or if it's too expensive with the VMU you buy one separately I think they would have to do two so, controllers because okay. there was a good amount of uh, um, multiplayer stuff All on right. there too so you definitely need I'm looking at the Sega published stuff you gotta have Crazy Taxi Crazy Taxi Choo Choo Rocket Jet Set Radio Virtua Tennis for your sports game Virtua Tennis has licensed Absolutely. characters in it ah oh, fuck they'd have to take out the names they'd have to take out the names I think they still do it though I they could, but yeah, uh, that was one that I thought of initially, but yes, it's um, unfortunately it is licensed. Um, you're going to have to have Soul Calibur. Space Channel 5. Um, I think Space Channel 5 would be an obvious one. Sonic Adventures, obviously. The Sonic Adventures, the Power Stones. Um, in terms of fighting games from back then, Dead or Alive 2 was big, but all the Capcom ones, uh, Street Fighter Alpha 3, um, Street Fighter 3 Third Strike, and Double Impact. Um, I don't think you're going to be able to get all those on there easily, but uh, I think Power Stone would be cheap to get 1 and 2. would be like, all right, we'll, we'll give us those. Capcom is license heavy. I don't know why you think that would be difficult. They've been doing, I mean, they've been... For, for the Street Fighter games? Have they been on a lot of these well, movies? I mean, we haven't had anything that's really had that, but I'm just saying Capcom, they, well, they had, they, they Capcom had, has been willing to work with Nintendo through the SNES and NES minis. Well, I guess they had, they had on the Super Nintendo Classic, they had, then they have uh, Street Fighter 2. So yeah, okay. they did. I, I would be surprised get if, one you of them, think? See, okay. if you didn't see Third Strike on there. Um, How about your maybe, Mr. Driller? You get your Mr. Driller? You <laughs> could have Mr. Driller on there. Uh, Daytona would probably have to be on there. Sega Rally would be on there. Uh, oh, Daytona. Yeah, how did I forget about Daytona? Absolutely. Um, you think they'd be able to get Shenmue on there? Yes. Uh, Shenmue is Sega, so I think they'd be able to get Shenmue on there just fine. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know if it's a different relationship now with, with uh, the new one. Okay. No, I mean, it's... It, it, um, I, yeah, I don't know what the, the, the situation is with the new one, but um, yeah, with Shenmue 1 and 2, I think they would be able to do that. Uh, so, yes, I think there's lots of games that you could put on there. Um, some that I would want to see that aren't as well-known. Uh, I'd like to see Ooga Booga on there. Um, what about any of the light gun games now? That's, and Armada. You won't be able to get Virtua Cop. You won't be able to get um. What was that? What was that? 007 type of shooting? Uh, Confidential. Confidential mission. You won't be able to get those, unfortunately. No. God damn it! Can we figure out the light gun thing for for these new TVs? Well, wasn't there a light gun that people were talking yes. about recently? Yeah. It's what the hell? It's, yes, but like I, I mean, like a product for the masses, not like these Kickstarter things. Uh, there's not one that's like been. The technology has been co-opted into the into all these products yet. What the hell is it called? Light gun, Sinden light gun, yes, or something. Yes, that one, something like that. 
Yeah, send in like um. Yeah. So, but the, but like they got to license this for their consoles though. That, that's the thing. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately. Uh, but because to me the to me that's the last console that really was a light gun console, isn't it? I don't I don't count the the Wii. I mean, it's not really a light gun. It's a fucking um. Control. I I mean, I, if you want to get specific. No, because it was an IR pointer, but that was the last system that had light gun games on it. That was the last system that had, like, um, Ghost Mission was put out on there. Uh, for the Wii or the... The Wii. Yeah, but they're not... But, but, yeah, but it's a fucking attachment you put the Wii mode in. That's what I mean. It's not, I'm just saying, the, 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 it's a light gun game. It's that the same Nico style tr- of game. That Nyko trigger was so hard to press on that uh, for the Wii. That was, like, for some reason, it was so... The give on that, sorry. Anyway. So that'd be a bummer to me. Obviously... You know, it's not the, the heart and soul of the system, but the light guns games were good that Sega put out. I, lo- I loved uh, Ghost Mission on, on the Wii. I, I loved it. It was great. Um, yeah, okay. If this comes out, I think, all right, you think 100 bucks it'll do? All right. Well, they are more modern games, too, than the, a little bit more than the PlayStation. They're a little, like a little bit. So get a King of Fighters on there, maybe? They did have King of Fighters 98 on there. So, yeah. They called it 99, even though it wasn't. How dare they, Ian? How dare they? It's really fucking wow. stupid. There, there, there were some, there were some trashy, trashy third-party games. Oh, there were some obviously ports like Tony, you know, Tony's Hawk Pro Skater, but no one really thinks about Dreamcast and Pro Skater. Um, God, the awful WF games. That's right, forgot about that. Royal Rumble was very, very bad. Is that the one that was in the arcade? Was mm-hmm. one? Okay, that, that was not fun. It was I interesting thought. in the arcade for five minutes. It certainly was not a game that ever about, needed to be ported home. How about the? Remember those those great ECW games? No. Uh, they ran. They, they ran on this. They ran on the same acclaim engine that Warzone and Attitude. Right oh, now. those games are getting reviewed right now for a certain guidebook. Those good old N sixty four acclaim uh, wrestling games. They're bad. They're not that good. Um, okay, well there you go. We'll see what this happens. Uh, maybe a year from now, we'll, we'll see. And the good news is that obviously the, the emulation on Dreamcast is is, a, is above a, a Saturn. Yes. So it's like it's a little bit easier. And and you, you think about. I kept thinking, going back to where they do a Saturn. A Saturn um, Mini, I think it'd be diminishing returns uh, versus doing the Dreamcast, just skipping it and doing the Dreamcast. I, I just think the Dreamcast would just, has has more of a beloved statue, like like cult status than the Saturn. I think it would just do a lot better, um, and people would enjoy it more. And the, and the games are probably overall better in terms of the variety that you could get on on that console. Uh, so, all right, um, so this is a Kickstarter in that uh, come up. This is a book that. I kind of knew it was in the work works for years. Um, it's called a Smoke and Mirrors: The Rise and Fall of a Video Game Antipreneur. The official story, the official story of the retro VGS and the Coleco Chameleon. So it's already funded. It was a small goal of around, I think it was eighteen hundred dollars US. This is a book being done by uh, Mike James, who is UK Mike. He used, he used to be one of the guys on the Retro Gaming... Well, is this still around the Retro Gaming uh, Roundup uh, podcast? He, it was him. Seems like something you maybe should have <laughs> known before talking. Hey, I, I, was, I, I knew about it. Let's see. Retro Gaming Roundup. So it was him. It was uh, Mike Kennedy, who was behind the Retro VGS and the Chameleon. And it was uh, Scott and I, I believe one or two others that would, would cycle in and out. So, what the hell was Mike Kennedy's name on uh, Atari? Just like Parrot Hammer or something like that? Something like that. Something, something like weird. 
Um, no, it's still bird, around. Bird juice. It's still around. They do one a month. Retro Gaming Roundup. There you go. F- free publicity. RetroGamingRoundup.com. They do one a month uh, podcast. They've been doing them forever. So anyway, so 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 Mike James has written this book. He's reached out to people that were involved uh, in it. He reached out to people like the, the mis- mysterious uh, Mr. Lee, who was Sean Robinson, who was the guy that took Mike Kenny for a ride in terms of helping slap together the infamous um, Super Nintendo Mini Super Nintendo Mini prototype and just took lots of money from Mike. But, okay, so this Kickstarter, the book's going to come out. So the, Mr. The, Lee. The, the, the money is to consult with a lawyer to basically make sure he, uh, he can't be sued by publishing this. That's what the money's for. That's right. why it's such a small amount. It's $1,800. Because obviously there's people that were involved with this project that um, could have done something uh, allegedly um, criminal, including uh, Mike Kennedy himself. So he wants to make sure he's legally covered. Obviously you can publish things about people as, as long as it's true right that you're fine you can i can publish something about someone that's horrible or talk about something and it's horrible as long as it's 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 true or, or i even think it's true based upon my knowledge of it then you're fine but he wants to make sure plus in the uk i think it's a lot easier to get sued for libel and slander versus the u.s just from what i know that the burden it proof, is. yes the, the burden proof is, is a lot lower uh there so um this is an official account of events that led to the evolution of game gavel uh, which is which is what the website uh, that Mike ran, which was basically the eBay for video games, Retro Magazine, which which I wrote a couple a few articles for, which was what Mike Kennedy he was the the publisher of that and ran that Retro VGS and Click Chameleon, written by somebody who was involved and had inside information that has never been published before. It is a factual account of events, but more than that, it is a human story of the man behind the Game Gavel Network and the Retro VGS slash Click of Chameleon, and shows how one man's dream can quickly become a nightmare. I would argue that it wasn't that quick, but okay. Mike Kennedy set out with good intentions and wanted to produce a game, video game console, but somewhere along the way, he lost control of his vision, his empire, and his livelihood. So, okay. So, if you don't know about, much about Mike Kennedy, I met Mike Kennedy at, he'd be at these, uh, Southern California SC3 uh, Southern California gaming meetups that I think used to still go on even last year like twice a year in like Orange County and then he he ran uh, the game gavel and then he also you know he 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 ran Retro Magazine which lasted I think a year only or a little over a year and there was problems with that because people weren't getting people weren't getting the magazine people weren't paid I wasn't paid until I basically said I'm not writing anymore until you pay me my meager meager wage, especially when I was one of the few people, names that was used to promote the fucking magazine. It was like me, Sean Baby, um, a couple other people that were promoted. Chris Kohler were promoted and like that was it uh, to promote this. So so my my interactions with, with Mike were always not necessarily dubious, but you know, keep keep you at arm's length, basically, when it came to this stuff. Obviously, if you followed the CU podcast at all, Going back to 2015 when we started covering the the um, uh, retro VGS, maybe it was early 2015 when we covered it, or late 2014 when this when this first was uh, surmised. The retro VGS Ian was to be a cartridge based, no DLC, no internet required, no bugs, no bugs in our games. How do you do it? You simply make games without bugs. What do you have happens if there's a bug? Well, you just tell them to take the bug out. It was to be the retro VGS, a throwback console, using. Atari Jaguar console shells because Mike had acquired the mold. He bought one of the molds out there. Fam- infamously or famously, 
there's dental equipment that is in the Atari Jaguar console case because the, yes. mold, the mold somehow became available. Mike bought the mold and said, well, Ian, I got a case for a console. Let's now des- design a console. Let's design the hardware after, after the shape of the console. Doesn't that sound familiar with something that's trying to be produced today? It does a little bit. But anyway, so... It was very bizarre at the time because it totally seemed like then and now that it was absolutely, oh, I've got this shell. And they said that, too. They said that. We've got the hard part done. We've got the tooling done. The shell is done. They acted like that was like their 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 big foot in the door. That's to, not the hard part. That might be the expensive part. That's not. It's not. That's not the hard part. Building a yes, shell maybe. around around your 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 board and, and your your goodies, your guts of your console. So obviously, I mean, we we, we did about ten to twelve videos on the retro VGS, then Coleco Chameleon. So I became the Coleco Chameleon. God, that name is awful. After Coleco Holdings LLC. Uh, somehow they, they they came to probably a license agreement uh, with good old Chris Cardillo uh, with, with Mike with Mike Kennedy, and so we're going to rebrand this, Ian. We're going to rebrand this to Coleco Chameleon, and that was after I believe the failed Indiegogo for the Retro VGS. God, I don't remember the timeline, and we covered this like the most out of everyone online covered this. Yeah, I can I can't um, I can no longer remember the time frame between Retro VGS not. Succeeding and Coleco Chameleon coming into so the, play. The retro They're v- the same thing, but the retro VGS campaign was. I think that was fall of 2015. That sounds correct. Okay, five years ago. Yes, and then that they 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 um canceled it early because it was going to be an utter failure. They asked for two mil. Mike Kennedy asked for two million dollars on Indiegogo. And again, why is it important? Because they don't require a prototype. Does not require a hardware prototype. Kickstarter at least has some threshold of making sure you're not a a con artist or bullshitter. If you're doing hardware of anything, toaster oven, an LED light show console, you have to have a prototype, working prototype shown on your campaign. Indiegogo, you don't have that. So that's one of the reasons we railed against this Mm -hmm. as a danger. To, to not just people getting ripped off, it's a danger to the retro gaming community. And Mike was promoting this. He would pr- he promoted this at a couple of gaming conventions along the way as well. It wasn't just like he came out of nowhere. He had a reputation with the magazine and Game Gavel. So he had a built-in base to at least promote this. So that's why it wasn't like laughed off immediately by everyone. I don't know how it wasn't. Because Ian and I, on, from the start, were like, this is a bad idea. But there are people giving this a chance for whatever reason. People did it, did infomercial interviews on their YouTube channels. People said, do you think it's going to succeed? Maybe, maybe not. So um, when it came crashing down and it hurt inside uh, with the Coleco Chameleon within like six months after this retro VGS failed Indiegogo, um, it, you know, it wasn't just an I told you. So it was like, Jesus Christ, you guys should have seen this coming. I don't see how, how you didn't. Um, so... So this book hopefully gets into more of the nitty gritty, and it's got to get into stuff like, well, who did Mike get money from? Because it wasn't there was money put into this. Mike uh, allegedly, you know, he took money from from family and friends to help finance this. Right. When you're buying the mold, I mean, that money has to come from somewhere. When you're when you're you know hiring people to help do like your, your awkward hardware videos, your engineer, like this this money has to come from somewhere. So, so apparently this, uh, from what I know, like from what I heard, I'm not for sure, this might have ended, you know, his marriage potentially, you know, he was in ruins after this, after his dream of doing a console here, 
Like you have this, these grandiose dreams of doing a console that everyone's going to love. I'm going to get, I'm going to make money off of this. I'm going to be the man. And then you get it over your head, and then it, you become, you know, you know, you're a scammer at that point. Once you show up at a toy fair with a console that's a Super Nintendo Mini taped inside of a fucking Jaguar shell at the New York fucking toy fair in 2016. Remember the, uh, the uh, what was the adapter card or whatever that they put in the shell? Oh, they put it in S- S- uh, was it SD2SNES multi-card. No, no, I'm talking about the second prototype. Oh, the, oh! You the mean one the, the clear shell? You mean the clear shell with the capture card put inside? That was oh, yeah. what it was—the capture. Yeah, card. that was yeah. the final. That was the final, final blow. Yeah. After, after, see, see, the only question that remains to me: once Mike got in over his head and realized I don't have a prototype for the toy show, um, did Mike know that what uh, allegedly what Sean Robinson mocked up for him? Because the story is that Sean Robinson said to Mike Kennedy before the toy, the toy fair in 2016 was that February 2000. 16 like don't don't touch it don't don't look at it don't let people look at the back so if you're mike kennedy and you're running this game console company wouldn't you be curious about why can't i i look at this or what the hell's in this yeah <laughs> why did why does the back of this look like the back of a super nintendo mini which mike owned which it's going to come out in the book like mike owned. it's like why why is there a super nintendo av out on the back of this why ian why why am I on my prototype console? Is, is it like a Super Nintendo in the back? <laughs> why can't it play a Super Nintendo Flash card? Like, you should know that. Like, why, hmm. why, why, like, so, so from what I know from talking to uh, UK Mike, who, who wrote this Mike Games, there's going to be a few people that come off very, very badly in this book. Very badly. Yeah. Um, because they might have known things that didn't act or they were in on this in one degree or another so I'm looking forward to reading this book I really am because this is going to yeah. be and I, but I also going to feel bad I have bad, a feeling though. it'll be a quick read too and I, but I'm also going to feel bad though for any family members that got taken for a ride or friends got taken for a ride by, by a man of confidence basically saying that to me it's almost like well you know did he lose his way or did he, did he think it was going to be harder than what it was once he got into it either way you should not get in you should not get into a business you have no you have no fucking clue about or have no idea about uh just because you managed to get a magazine published or ran a gaming website does not mean you can make a video game console right which again it, to me it seems like the hardest fucking thing in the world to do is to make a, a new video game console it just seems like just a, an act of of, of of craziness to think that you can pull it off and have something that not just turns a profit is actually to be something that's of decent quality and that'll actually last and stick around. Like, it just seems like it's tough, you know. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Two million dollars. Two million dollars. You imagine what would have happened if it raised the two million dollars and everyone was taken for a ride in fleas outside of the investors and that it would it would have been the biggest the biggest scandal in the retro gaming scene like ever. Like it would have been. Oh yeah, I mean it, it splintered the community even as as that because you know people went went after certain YouTuber people went after me for reporting on it you know for a week or two um, when Ian was out from the from the from the podcast uh, for that like, like one week so like it was uh yeah it was a thing it was a weird thing 
So, but you know what? I stand by every fucking word I said about this. I, I'd imagine you do as well. Oh yeah, no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't go back on any of it. We were proven right in the end. Yeah. Patrick. Yes, sir. We have a Patreon. We do, Ian. Uh, Pat, you want to tell me how you access that Patreon? Well, Ian, you open up your your Netscape Navigator and you go to http colon slash slash www.patreon.com slash cu podcast and uh what do we get there patrick well you put you, you could you can give us your money for things that's what you do on the patreon so we have you get the full video accessible on tuesday night after pat slaves away and edits everything and renders it out and uploads it to, to youtube and then you also get weekly uh writings from ian who writes uh, once every nine days on average, but it's getting closer to seven as years uh, go by. Yeah. Versus 14, like it used to be some months, sorry. And then also you get a, a monthly Google Hangout with Ian, which is probably going to happen this Saturday or Sunday. It'll probably Ian happen this Sunday. The Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Probably but the Sunday before work. You also vote on a weekly uh, Patreon uh, poll topic each, each week. Darn tootin'. And this week, Ian, in third place... What do you miss about gaming conventions? 23%. We miss a lot. Miss a lot. That'll be its own topic eventually, I I guarantee you. Yes. In second place, besides Super Mario 35, what retro games could make good Battle Royale games? 26%. We already gave one away last time, but we can go into more detail. And in first place, Ian, with the bullet, what console libraries are worth collecting right now? Right now, Ian. Due to a high likelihood that they will soon spike in value and rarity. Um, I think if you are looking for anything that is rare or hard to find on the Xbox 360 or the PlayStation 3 right now is absolutely the time to buy it. Um, I don't think PlayStation 3 or Xbox 360 game prices will ever be lower than they are now. And that is something that I have um, I have learned um, just from being at the store for 14, Jesus, 14 years now. Uh, 14 years? Thereabouts, yeah, 13 and a half, 14 years. It feels like 12. Um, it's two generations ago is always when that stuff appears to be the most worthless. Um, and it usually starts to go back up in price uh, at the end of the following generation. Because it, it's, not, it's, it's not retro yet to people. But it's not new, so it's trash. So it's like this weird in between. <laughs> so at the start of the PS4 and the Xbox One, PS2 and Xbox stuff was particularly cheap. Um, and I wanted to see any of that stuff about as much as I want to see 360 or PS3 games now, which is like not at all. Um, but PS2 stuff and even some Xbox titles as we approach um, this this next generation generation 9 I think this is going to be um, as we approach generation 9 the prices are definitely starting to creep up again on PlayStation 2 stuff that is hard to find or particularly desirable um, the um, the horror games the um, the horror games the RPGs uh, the lesser known like sleeper hits, all of that stuff is climbing back up in price. Um, right now on the 360, uh, in, in the PS3 too, but especially on the 360 because the 360 early on the 360 did so well and just sold so many titles in terms of volume. Um, the volume. The volume. There's just so much of it <laughs> that it's very easy to come by. Um, and uh, I was kind of talking about this online a little bit recently. Um, 
it's gotten to the point where the people who have this stuff want it just about as much as we do, which is not at all. People will come in and, you know, when people call about 360 or PS3, I try to, um, I try to, uh, buffer their expectations a little bit. You know, I'm like, yes, we do buy 360 and PS3 stuff. I will let you know that it is not worth much right now. But they're always like, oh, what, like, uh, you know, like uh, four or five bucks a game? I'm like, mm, we're mm-hmm. looking at like a dollar to three for a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, oh, okay. Uh, and they'll come in and, and they'll get rid of it. They, they don't, you could just make up a number and they'd take it. There are people who come in with that stuff and I look through it. And I'm like, I don't need any of this or it's too scratched. They will gladly leave it. People will give this shit away because they sure. just want it out of their... Uh, they want it out of their closets. They want it out of their living rooms, their homes. Um, so, you know, uh, every time I say something like this, I always feel like, well, maybe this is going to be the generation that no one cares about. But we thought that about PS2 and Xbox to a degree, and that has gotten popular again. Um, despite the fact that right now no one wants to look at Xbox 360 games, there are going to be some that are going to be desirable later on, and those are the ones that you want to get uh, right now. Get the shooters, get the um, smaller, lesser-known titles. You know, get your Death Smiles, get your Raiden Four, get that sort of stuff. Um, right now, while it's inexpensive. Um, well, as far as what's like popular right now, stuff mm-hmm. that you don't want to pass up on if you see a good deal on it. Uh, GameCube, GameCube right now is insanely popular, and the prices have shot up because of COVID. Um, but that is something that happened during COVID. And I would say that if you're out, you know, if, if, if you're at a garage sale, if you're at a flea market, um, if, if you're at uh, a Goodwill or something like that, and you see, you know, big name GameCube titles and they're not expensive, get them because just they, ha- sh- they should be more expensive. And it's a combination of timing and COVID has made that... Well- the, just timing in terms of the people who grew up with it are now of the age where they have money to buy this stuff and that's how that's how these retro systems always get popular it's always when kids who grew up with them now have their own money and can rebuy their childhoods yeah, plus GameCube some of those third party games they didn't make a huge amount of those probably no they didn't so like spoilers I was, I was editing a flea market madness in the video and then I saw it there was a $10 table that's why I didn't buy it at the time I saw Resident Evil uh, Code Veronica uh, over there, I didn't buy it. Even at ten bucks, that's a pretty good price. Even then, but yeah, it, it, well, back then I think it was like thirty bucks, according yeah. to price, something like that. I didn't buy it though. Um, I looked it up, and it was a hundred dollars buy it now for that game on eBay. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I couldn't believe that. Um, so, um, I also didn't buy that thing because I had a PS2, and I didn't want to buy the same game on another console. I was never going to play, um, but. That showed me that, okay, there's something going on here, because why would you go for that game unless you're trying to collect like a set, I guess, because that game was available elsewhere, um, or close to a set. So I looked up, I'm on price charting. Price charting has a cool feature where you can like get the average across all the, the game library. So uh, 360, Ian, this goes back to 2008. In 2008, a 360 game averaged uh, 23 and change. Now it's at almost its lowest point. It went up a little bit the past year since COVID, everything. But it was at eight. It was at eight dollars before COVID. Now it's at nine dollars. But still, that's really, really cheap for an a- average. The average across all three six games, nine bucks. Yeah, that's, that's the average. Yeah, I would say seven ninety nine is is like the 
four ninety nine is what most things get, and then if it's a slightly better title, seven ninety nine is what it gets, and then there are a handful of titles for that system that still go for fifteen plus. PS three in two thousand eight was thirty two dollars beginning of the year. Now it's at almost its lowest point. Again, it went up slightly since COVID, but not really. The average now is eleven bucks for a PS three game. That's the average. GameCube, that's a little bit different. GameCube in two thousand eighteen, the average game was twelve dollars. The lowest point for that was six dollars in two thousand ten. Wow! So that's that's uh yeah during the, the Wii era, which is surprising because you can still play them on the Wii. I'm surprised it was that low. It never matters. Like that's um, always nice. It, it, that that that's important to people who already have money invested in the games. It's not so important to people who are. It, 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 it doesn't necessarily sure. mean they're they're going to go find them. They don't want to leave that stuff behind. But I, I mean, it, it, as stupid as it is, uh, it, it it's true. It's it's just like when we were kids. It's not fresh and new anymore. The last that's thing true. anyone wants to see when they get a PlayStation Five is PlayStation Four games. That's true. But I went out and bought crazy. I bought Crazy Taxi to sure. play it on the the Wii. I did. Uh, for, for the GameCube. So then it slowly started to trickle up. I mean, slowly. In 2015, the average GameCube game was 9.30, and then it went up to, let's see, about $11 in 2018. And then the past past year it was COVID. The average price has shot up from 12.25 to almost 17 dollars. Pat, man, that's like a 45 percent increase in price on the on average game. That's nuts. Yeah, that quickly. That's insane for that. It's wacky. So now, like, I'm looking at, well, is this right, some of this stuff? I'm looking at some of these, like, I have some GameCube games that are probably worth money that, or at least $100 that weren't worth that much before. There's a lot of GameCube games that are worth 100 bucks now. Wow. I gotta go through my GameCube games. I definitely, I, it was funny, I looked through to make sure I didn't have that Resident Evil when I saw it on my Flea Market Madness footage. I was like, oh, I, I don't have that one. But even like, what, F-Zero is like $60? Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Anytime you want to know what the price is for games, I pet, you can just give me a call down at your friendly local Luna video. Oh, I used to two love lo- that. I used to do that. Two in locations. Su- used to do that on Sunday. Diego. used to do that on Sunday. You'd love it. When I was at, yeah. At 9 a.m. Hey, Ian, I found this. You want this? Shut up, Pat. I'm going back to bed. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting how GameCube has, has, has done that. Um, does it... Does it does it change things just a little bit that 360 games and PS3 are the first games that require server for some of those games to be active in order to play them? So will that affect these prices not going up as much because of that, or, or collector will collectors not care? Or will, will you even have some collectors versus people that might want to want to you, you know play the 360 game on on the uh, the new Xbox if it's backwards compatible? Yeah, I don't think. It, I mean, going back to what I said about backwards compatibility, um, we do see a spike per title when things are added. Spike on the Vectrex. Yeah, uh, when things are added, when Modern Warfare Two was added to Xbox One a year or two ago, we saw a brief spike in interest in the 360 version of that copy. Because if you can buy it used, you're getting it cheaper than the download price on on the on the store. Um, but uh, yeah, the server the, the server thing will be interesting to see. Um, also, be, uh, this this relates not so much to a server being necessary for the games, but um, what games are we going to go back to and go? Oh wow, that was really broken at launch. When you're no longer when when if the servers go down, you, you no longer have it. access to the patches. Now, honestly, it seemed I, with the 360 with, with the Xbox One, 
or the Xbox Series X, it's not going to be a huge deal. Microsoft has those. Obviously, the games that are backwards compatible are going to be able to download those patches. But if you're just playing it on a 360 without any connection to the hard drive, yeah, you're not going to have a lot of very critical day one patches available. And I think we're going to, as time goes on, see a lot of these games like, okay, you have it. And this is, I understand people who like physical copies of games. I get it. But we are at a point where most games are not being released in a state where your physical copy is going to be playable, or it's going to be very, very different from the final version that you are playing. We already basically... You, you, people always say, well, they, they want to own their game. Well, you, you already don't really own the game, because it's the, the version you own is going to be very different than what the patched version is. So, yeah, that could be interesting to see as, as this plays out, but I think that's going to become more of an issue with PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Um, it certainly was an issue with the 360 and the PS3, but not as big of an issue. I wonder if the GameCube... Because it didn't happen as much on the Super Nintendo, but it did a little bit. The library is just small enough that you can get the whole set, like like sixty four. There's about four hundred what North American games, something like that. You can get the full set. I know, I know people who have done, who have gone for a full GameCube. It's not that uncommon. So that'll be the last one you can do that because no one's fucking doing that for a week besides a couple of insane people. Um, but for the GameCube, you can do that because I looked up a couple of games like the combo. Uh, the Zelda combo Metroid is going for like six hundred dollars. Like holy shit! Didn't Grimsy get a full fucking Wii collection? It's no, like, it seems like something he would do. That's ins- that I'm would take you, certain that would did. take you years to do. I that. think he did. I'm not kidding. I think he has a full Wii collection right now. I, I think he had it and then sold it. But I yeah I I'm fairly- the amount of time that's like, like the t- the time to get an NES one. It, the Wii has such so much shovelware shit. That you'd have to sit there forever and just click on buying this shit away for some of these titles to come up. That I can't imagine wanting to do that. Yeah, Scott's a wacky boy. Is he doing okay? He's down in Florida, I think now. Yeah, I haven't talked to him in probably about a year, but he was good last time I talked to him. Well, we missed, we missed my Comic Con this year. We yeah, my Comic Con. I always like to see that guy. Who <laughs> would commiserate on Buffaloness? Yeah, Buffalality, Buffalality, Buffalonians. So I think that's what's going on with GameCube, though, more so than. Xbox 360, and I, I can't imagine someone getting a complete 360 set. It's like like they'd be institutionalized. But at least for Nintendo, it kind of still makes sense for a library that's small. And there's well, before this past couple of years, you could probably do it for pretty cheap. Besides those few uh, hard to find like promo and combo games, I guess. I don't remember the last time I saw that combo one. I just brought up the Metroid Zelda one. I might have seen that once or twice in my life, so I don't even know where that was sold. Um, anyway, let's wrap it up. Are you are you are you pulling the ripcord? You don't want to do the Q and A? I got to get a cheesesteak in me. From where? Gaglions. You just want to do five segments? Yeah, we can do this Q and A. I guess let's 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 rip through it real quick. Oh, well, not too quick. Okay. Uh, this is from at uh, Lord X Iscariot. Oh, it's not. Sorry, no, it's Lord. Not. Sorry, Mister. Sorry. Sorry about that, Lord X But you might get making in the future. This Q&A is from at Samuel underscore Layton. Why no love for first print Japanese games? Mario and Zelda first came out in Japan. So why aren't WADA and Heritage Auctions, quote, following the flag like in other hobbies, like book collecting? It means like when there's first editions. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Or comic books. When it comes, a lot of times when with book collectors, you you want the first printing, but you, you want it in the language it was printed in. So, like, uh, Little Prince, which is Vani's favorite book, um, 
I got her. Uh, was that Hungary? Where was it? Uh, um, Danish? Uh, French. French? All right. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I- ideally, you know, at, at some point she would probably want a first French edition of that sure um you generally you, you you do you follow the flag or the language uh why don't why don't people uh want do that with video games uh because uh the people who are interested in collecting wada games are um man babies who are interested in repurchasing their youth uh and not so much the historical um aspect of it that's well- that's my take very nuanced, Ian. I'm going to go a little bit different than that. I don't think they're all men. There are investors who don't give a shit about video game history. Yes. Either way you look at it, it's not yeah. good. They don't. If they care about video game history at all, like they claim, they would try to get the Famicom disc uh, version of Legend of Zelda. But the reason they don't is because there's so many more of those out there that are available and easier to get in a, in a more complete form than the fucking cellophane wrapped NES card, so they don't care. Right. They can't they can't they can't invest in those. Right. There is I mean it, it, and I mean I my answer was meant to sound snooty, um, but uh or, or uh you know jerky. But well, um, trouble, there, there are people who, who collect um and, and and yes, I understand it. There are people it's what you remember, so that's what you buy and sure. that's that's totally fine. Um but at some point, you know, all the people who want to do all the um you know, the huffing and puffing about history and preserving Something history and stuff it. like that, it, you're lying to yourself. If, you I, if it if it did, you would be going after the actual historically the, you, you would get a fucking Donkey Kong cabinet if you cared about the first appearance of Mario. Right. So like that's the first appearance of Mario. Um get the fucking ROM board and get that Graded. Yeah, it's it, it is interesting to me that it does not follow, you know, the same thing that that books do. That you know, there isn't the the, the it doesn't I, follow the first of anything. No, there, baseball it, cards it doesn't follow the first or comic books. It doesn't follow anything. Video game collecting, and this is something that I've always thought was strange about U.S. video game collecting, but it it always seems to be particularly um, with the uh, NES. Um, and the Super Nintendo stuff, the Nintendo stuff, it, it's a, all a very U.S. centric view of games. I, I, I don't. A lot of the collectors don't seem to dip into the Japanese stuff. Well, because it's foreign to us. Literally, it's literally yes. foreign. We wouldn't know where to start necessarily. We weren't exposed to it. How do, how do you find out about games from another country easily? And you couldn't up until YouTube. You'd have to like. Well, okay, go on a weird forum that Ian's a member of, and, and, and you know, ask people about PC engine games. Like, how do you find out about this stuff if you weren't if you weren't exposed to it? Sure, you know. Um, I I think I think I'm trying to think of a scenario where they would want to focus on the actual first game releases of these, and I'm trying to think of one that would would benefit them but the, like again it comes down to the scarcity is not there i mean the scarcity is not there in general because no. the carts are all available or even the box version so they can't monetize that and like i said you can't monetize a lot of these uh first japanese uh games like they're 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 not worth that much money they're easier to find uh in general a, a good condition one because like again the famicom this uh, you know they're just a little fucking case with it, you know that's 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 what you get, right? So it's it's a little bit easier uh, to to get them in complete form, and I guess it doesn't have the same it doesn't have the same cachet as oh when I went to Toys or this is what they always try to say they try to they try to build this fucking fake nostalgia 
Which the reason I don't I don't believe it is because if I believed that they would have bought these games ten fifteen years ago when they were not worth anything, not in the past year and sure. a half. Oh, when I went to Toys R Us. That's the that's what I got. Ian. when I went to I got that. That's I, it was. I, do I think about like pristine condition GI Joes I play with? I guess. Or, but it's not something that I'm drawn to. Like, why are you drawn to it for video games versus anything else? Like, I just don't... I never understood that. And that goes back to my arguments on Nintendo Age. I just have... I never understood. And I always said, even then, this is not video game collecting. This is something different. This is a weird, weird, like, third cousin of game collecting at, at most. To me, I, I think I likened it to, like, people that collected, like, unopened bottles of fucking... Coca-Cola from the 50s or something. Because you're not... At that point, it, it doesn't so much resemble video game collecting because you're not playing. It, it It's when collecting... When collecting is the hobby itself. Yeah, closer. I guess it's it more does, closer. It does, it, you, you find what's hot and what's interesting at that point in time that has a scene around it, um, and you collect that because it gives you something to talk about and something to buy and something to hold on to and something to look for, something to lord over someone else. I, I don't know. But um, I, at that point, you're collecting to collect. It's not so much the object. It's it's just... Well, you're always collecting an object, right? Well, you are, but I'm just saying it, it doesn't... It's not so much that it's video games or comic books. It's that it's... Well, the focus shifts. Something desirable that you can collect a set of. The focus shifts from the commodity itself to totally just the condition of the commodity. Yeah, the condition and the rarity. It, it, the condition becomes comes to the forefront, and the game becomes secondary, if that makes sense. Because there are people that will buy sealed games for f- trash games. They'll buy it just because of the condition. And yeah. for comic books, people don't do that. For baseball cards, people don't do that. They don't say... I'm going to buy that 87, you know, uh, Mark McGuire tops rookie card that's pristine. It's not worth, like, it, there's no reason to do that. Like, there's no reason to, to do sure. that. I mean, that was a bad example. Mark McGuire rookie card might have been worth something at some point. I'm going to get that pristine con- condition, I don't know, w- Willie Randolph card. You know, he was a decent player on the Yankees. So, like, the condition becomes what drives you more so than what is being conditioned or what or what is being graded, we'll just say. Sure. And for video games, it is the most it's the weirdest distortion of that that I have seen versus comic books, versus even toys, versus anything else. Uh that's his, has any sort of uh, pop culture, you know, aspect uh to it. So um yeah, that's why there's no love for for those games. That's why there isn't. Obviously you can have someone come along with a lot of money try to buy up those things. Maybe listen to this and be like, oh, I'm gonna go buy that stuff just in case. And all it takes is again, it takes like a handful of people to try to drum up interest. All it takes is you know what really pushed this was when a year ago there was a couple of articles, uh two two articles put out about this shit. And um I didn't agree with, with the sl- the slant of a couple of the articles because it promoted as pie in the sky stuff, and then that allows some more people to come in. And you get a very bullish market out there. Um, that people's, people have already lost money. Some people have made money, but a lot of people uh, are going to lose money in the long term. Uh, look at the Atari shit. Like, yeah. That's that's a big-time loser. But even but even on uh, some of these NES games, there, there's going to be a lot of losers for sure, especially the, especially, especially the, the complete-in-box stuff that's been happening the past three, four months. Is, to me, is insane there. So. All right. All right, is that it for the podcast, Sam? That's it. Aren't you glad we squeezed that in? Where are you getting a cheesecake at? Cheesecake. Cheese steak. Cheese steak. Where are you getting a cheesecake at? Gaglion's. 
Jack Where are they? Brothers. West Point Woman? Uh, they're like, um, yeah, they're like right at, they're in that plaza that has the grocery outlet and the CVS up at the corner of uh, Midway and uh, yeah, where Soup Plantation was. Soup Plantation is closed. They went out of business. The whole chain? They're done. You know how many times I ate a Soup Plantation? Like 30 times. I love Soup Plantation. It was my favorite buffet. Like the only buffet I would eat at. Bonnie really enjoyed it there. I, I love their warm brownie dessert. I mean, you put some soft serve on there. I appreciated their baked potato bar. Oh, that was great! And they, and they had the um, they, they, they had the uh, sweet potatoes too, didn't they? Sometimes? Maybe. I thought they did. Maybe. Yeah, they did. That's right, they did. Because all you needed was that eating with a little maple butter and you're set. You're good to go. You don't need all the sour cream and chives and all that stuff's good too. Alright! <sighs> let's pour one out for Soup Plantation. By the way, for Gagliano, Gagliano Brothers, they usually have, they used to have coupons in the buy one get one. Mm. Do I'm gonna look for you before you leave. No, that's now because ra- I'm ordering. I'm ordering it delivered. That's razor thin now. That, that unfortunately, with everything going on, I'm oh, sure. Yeah, it's like 13 pages. Used to be like 50. I was gonna say those exactly. things used to be sizable. All right, that's it for the See You Podcast. Remember, you know, drop us, drop us a line on Anchor, Anchor.fm/slash/TheSeeYouPodcast. We'll, we'll listen to your voicemails in the future. We'll see you later. Bye.